This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Happy Friday, everybody, out here in St. John's County on a beautiful Friday afternoon, and we get closer and closer to playoff football in the high school ranks. We've got our Action Sports Jacks game of the week. You know, we used the flex option for this one. Okay. To get the Pontevedra High School for Pontevedra and St. Augustine, a district championship game. In fact, we have three district championship games in the area. We chose this one to come out to St. John's County, and here we are for Action Sports Jacks Game of the Week on ESPN 690, but before that, three hours of sports talk right here on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, is this your first venture into high school football? This is, well, I mean, I've been to a couple high school games, but as far as, obviously, with ESPN 690, this is my first venture. Yeah, you've been stuck in that studio with Coos I have, on yeah, it's been a little stuffy in there, you know, I get out and get some fresh air. No offense to Coos. Ah, uh, well, here we are, anyway, and uh, ready to go for a Friday night game of the week, and this should be a good one. I mean, two really good football programs, and we'll talk all about the game. We also have a Jags-Jets game to talk about in terms of the injury reports and everything else. And I do want to answer some of the questions because, you know, we had the wall that says it all yesterday, Yannick yeah. Ngakwe, and it's really getting a lot of play yeah. on social media, and that includes also a lot of questions for you. Mm-hmm. About Yannick Ngakwe. I don't know why they're just asking you. I'm the one that knows everything. Oh, I mean, that's, that's a good point. I mean, you're, you're the one that hired me, so you're kind of the mastermind behind all this, Brent. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't mean I know that everything. I mean, okay. I, just, I, I just usually have the inside scoop. I you think know? you just want to get paid by, uh, you know, Yan, too. I mean, once he signs that new contract, you want to get a little cut of that just as well. He's trying to get uh, back on the good side. I see what you're trying to do. It's uh, all good. Of Yan, absolutely. Yeah, so, um, well, we'll talk all about it. What do you? What's your gut feeling? With the Jags and Jets, given the turmoil of the Jets that they appear to be in, yeah, and where maybe both teams sit. You know, the NFL is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually thought the Jets would play better than they did against the Patriots, lose to the Patriots, but come in here feeling, you know, pretty confident with Sam Darnold back. Well, it's just the opposite. Sam Darnold has a wreck of a game. Sure. The whole ghost comments, everything else, he looked rattled on the football field. Some people will even say maybe the worst uh, a quarter, they've ever seen a quarterback play. Mm-hmm. I think that's hard. You got to be careful doing that. Here in Jacksonville, because we've seen, well, some quarterbacks have some rough games. Yeah. And then there's the Jags, who I feel like it's weird, man, because three and four, you had a quiet confidence about this football team that I think they feel like they're pretty good. And they've, they've kind of circled the wagons, weathered the storm, all those cliches, mm-hmm. to maybe now put themselves in a position to play pretty good football, albeit... They've got some big injuries to deal with. So here's where I stand right now uh, of what I think is going to happen in this Jets-Jaguars game. Uh, I'm glad you asked because, obviously, I, I watched a little film. I, I rewatched a little bit of the Patriots-Jets game. Spoiler alert, not much to watch there from the Jets' perspective. Uh, but something that I garnered a little bit is the fact that the Jets' defense, Brent, they're any slouches. And I actually I went back and watched a little bit of the Cowboys-Jets game as well, and I, and I watched the Jets' defense. Their defense is pretty good. Uh, so good that I kind of had to go back on Google and look up some of their numbers real quick. And I, I came across these interesting facts here. Because if you're going to break down the Jacksonville Jaguars, yeah, they're a pretty good offensive team. And, yes, they have Gardner Minshew. They have a good passing game. But let's be honest. They still run the ball first, right? They're, they're a run-first team, and they pass next. Well, in terms of that, uh, the Jets held the Patriots to 2.2 yards per carry the last game. And right now, they are second in the NFL with 3.3 yards per carry. So their defensive line is playing pretty good football right now. And then another set that was kind of, I mean, I get it. These are all analytics. These are all stats. But to me, they mean something. Um, the New York Jets right now uh, are eighth 
in terms of holding uh, holding the. Hey, why don't you silent that I thing know. up? That, that, I mean, how many times me. does that have to hit? That's me. I mean, hey, Jack Boz, <laughs> that is Austin Lane. Well, see, I, I could have swore his earphones. I wasn't going to say anything. But in terms of holding the poison quarterback to uh, the passer rating, right now they're eighth, and they average 84.6. So all those things considered, I think they are a pretty good defensive team, and the Jaguars have to take notice of this. Now, the Sam Darnold that we saw against New England, I, I don't believe that's the Sam Darnold we're going to see in Jacksonville. Okay, I think that was kind of a – one-off game. I think he's going to come into Jacksonville, play a little better. Now, if you if you look at the wide receivers for the for the, for the Jets, they're not going to make you scared. They're not, they're not going to make you stay up at night. The biggest thing is stopping the run game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. you got to shut down Bell. Bell's going to be their bell cow in the pass game, in the run game. I think the Jaguars can definitely do that. We saw them do it with Alvin Kamara a little bit. But I think it might be a closer game than people are expecting. Well, here's the deal. If, if the job is to shut down Le'Veon Bell, you feel pretty good after what the Jags have done since the Carolina game. They have done a nice job against the run. Again, 16 carries, no yards for the Bengals running backs last week. Those are a couple of good running backs, you yeah. know. Uh, so you feel good about that. But Marcel Darius goes out. I don't even think, and, and I don't want to... Uh, just say, ah, no no big deal. I think it is a big deal. I think he's a good player. But I think they have depth there. And you're going to lose guys, and I think they can replace Marcel Darius's production there. Maybe not as stout, but pretty good. I don't think the drop-off's going to be unbelievable. I think you do have to be a little aware of all the linebacker injuries. And they're not even sure right yet who will start at linebacker on the weak side for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So there are three guys that are out with Najee Good and Leon Jacobs, although he's on the strong side, and Quincy Williams won't play against his brother this week, which is too bad. So the Jaguars have – that's a fit thing, right? That's a chemistry thing. That's a yeah. communication thing. That can be an issue, especially against Le'Veon Bell and his running style. So I think that's – uh, something to be at least concerned about. The bounce back is definitely something to be concerned about. And I do think getting Leonard Fournette going against his defense is legit curiosity because his defense, like you just shared, is pretty decent. You know, it's a pretty good defense. If they, if the Darnold stuff wasn't happening, I think we'd be raving about their defense a little bit more. They have yeah. some really good players on that side of the football, including Fournette's buddy from LSU, Jamal Adams and Leonard Williams and 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 now Quinnen Williams and, and all these guys. So now the good news is Mosley is not playing, right? He's, he's yeah. been out and he's been struggling with injuries. Yep. But overall, I, I get the sense what you're saying. I just think the Jags have to take a little bit different tact. I mean, they have to be able to be willing to throw the football around and open up the run games and be patient with that side. Just don't shove it into the line of scrimmage on first down, second down, bring up third and seven. Mm -hmm. They might have to get creative. And I have confidence that John Filippo can do that because I think he has shown signs of being able to do that. Yeah, you know, and I think the biggest thing is obviously if you want to open it up, you know, with the pass a little bit, get the back involved. I mean, Fournette's been showing, you know, good skill sets out of the backfield and, and you know, being a receiver. And also, is this going to be the, the Josh Oliver game a little bit? You know, he he was quiet against Cincinnati, trying to work his way back a little bit. We know John Filippo loves using the tight end. Is this the game that kind of Josh Oliver makes his appearance? He he makes his introduction uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Something to keep an eye on as well. But it's like you said, Brent. I think they have way too many weapons right now for the Jaguars at wide receiver. And we saw him use, we saw him implement a little more of how to beat that cover too. Those short to intermediate passes across the middle um, anytime a guy whether it's Mar- uh, I'm sorry whether it's Chris Conley uh, DD Westbrook DJ Chark anytime those guys get that ball in space uh, big things can happen so I think we'll see more of that too against the Jets here's the one thing I think Jaguars fans have to be careful about and and this is a little goofy to say I guess um, because the Jaguars haven't given you a lot of confidence over the years I, I understand that I've been around here a dozen years I've seen all the losses so you know I've, I've, I feel you 
But I do think that I've seen a little bit out there that you've got to be careful and be like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Like one in five team comes in, they look like they stink, and the Jets and the Jags will, will just be awful and not play, and they'll play down to competition. Yeah. Uh, down to competition, first of all, we have no idea how good the Jags even are. I mean, are they playing down to competition? I don't know if the Jags should win, are better, all those things in the Jets. I thought that case with Cincinnati. You could tell they were a better football team than Cincinnati. I think the Jags are better than the Jets. I do. I think they are. I, you know, again, take that Monday nighter out of your memory and now bring in the Cowboys game and the Jets, and then what would you say yeah. if they were coming in off the Cowboys game instead of the Patriots game? So I say I think they're better. But I also think you just got to be a little bit careful to be not confident about this one. Like if I was a Jet, I, 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 I'm confident in the Jags right now. I, I feel like they've shown the ability to move up and down the field. Yes, they've got to fix third down. Yes, they've got to fix the red zone. But you have the leading rusher in the AFC. You have a quarterback that has done an admirable job. You have receivers that have made plays. Mm-hmm. And you have an offensive line that, quite frankly, we'll talk about this a little bit coming up, that might be finding a groove and actually be becoming a strength of this football team. And then you have a defense that, at the very least, is is a good defense, yeah. a, a good solid defense with playmakers on that side of the football. So I think there's a lot of things to like about the Jaguars in this matchup to the point where I don't necessarily overlook the Jets and say this isn't like a college football game where you're playing, you know, some cupcake and you're favored by 45. Sure. That's not the case. Yeah. But I'm confident that the Jags, if they can fix a couple little things. Mm-hmm. They're going to win this game going away, and that's the way I feel about this game on Sunday. And I think the biggest thing I'm going to be watching this Sunday is the fact that what are the Jaguars going to do on defense, right? Because, like I always say, this is a copycat league, Brent. And if you go back and watch what the Patriots did, uh, the, the Patriots blitzed. They showed a lot of max blitzes, and then they would drop back into coverage, and that's where Sam Darnold started seeing ghosts and everything. And the Patriots did that from the get-go. They never allowed Sam Darnold to feel comfortable under center, right? It, it, it didn't matter if they're playing in New York or whatever the case was. Even though it was quiet, Sam Darnold tried to audible. Offense didn't hear it. He almost gets sacked, throws a bad ball, interception, turnover. And I'm curious to see, because what we've seen from these Jacksonville Jaguars so far, Brent, is the fact that they do sometimes throw wrinkles here and there. But for the most part, for the most part, what we've been seeing so far from their pass rush has been the, the base packages. Now, yes, they, you know, they're going to run games like any team can run games and things like that. But I'm curious if they get more of the safeties involved, more of the linebackers involved. But keep in mind, it's always hard to do when you have new faces back there, you know, playing some of their first reps. So I'm curious to see how that defense responds if they just kind of do what they've been doing so far, or if they see the Patriots that are like, you know what, let's go ahead and blitz a little more and let's make Sam Donald uncomfortable because the last thing you want Sam Donald to do is feel comfortable in the pocket. Absolutely. Uh, hey, big news out of uh, the city today. Florida-Georgia game has been extended. The contract will stick around in Jacksonville until 2023 and probably really 2025 and beyond. The talk from these coaches, are, hey, we got to get this back on campus, recruiting, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know what? It's not happening. Money talks. Sorry, Kirby. Sorry, Dan. It ain't happening. You're staying in Jacksonville, and uh, that's a good thing for Mayor Lenny Curry, the good thing for the city of Jacksonville, good thing for Northeast Florida, and quite frankly, I think a good thing for both of these programs. We'll talk about that coming up. Plus, a little more on Fournette and this offensive line, Find the Groove. I want to talk about that coming up next. We are live at Ponte Vedra High School, our Action Sports Jacks Game of the Week on ESPN 690. Check us out on the video feeds, YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. And also right here on ESPN 690 in your car or on the live stream, ESPN690.com. We're on 10 different platforms. If you can't find us, well, shoot me a text or give us a call. We'll help you find us. We are somewhere (laughs) all across the globe.
And we're coming back from Ponte Vedra High School right after this. The funny story about me and Jamal, even when we was in college together, I've always competed against Jamal. So I mean, the first day of pads, uh, freshman year, I ran him over, and he came out of nowhere and lit my ass up, man. <laughs> so uh, I always had that respect for Jamal, and I know he's going to come out and ball. That's Leonard Fournette, Jaguars running back, leading rusher in the AFC, by the way. Talking about Jamal Adams, his LSU buddy. You know, I remember being at the draft, and I want to say it was, uh, I want to say this one, where have we been? New York, Chicago, Philly. I feel like this one might have been Philly when uh, he was drafted. I don't know for sure. It could have been Chicago. Mm -hmm. But I remember thinking, I was like, well, the Jacks don't need safety help, but they liked Adams. I know they liked Adams a lot. So there was a possibility, depending on how that all played out, that he could land to them, almost like Josh Allen did this year, right? Sure. I think that Hawkinson was the guy, and then once Josh Allen fell, they were like, well, this is too good. we we got to do it, and, and just from a value standpoint. So Adams could have been in play like that for the Jags. I think he went fourth that year overall uh, to the uh, Jets, of course. And he's a good player, yeah. uh, really good football player. LSU and LSU going up against each other on Sunday uh, with the Jags and the Jets. I'm curious to see if we see any like a uh, sh- shadow boxing game from b- both of them before yeah. like a little pregame, <laughs> yes. you know, and uh, yeah. who, who's going to win that one? I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, let's talk more about Leonard Fournette. I want to I want to spend a minute or two talking not only about Fournette but the but the offensive line because yeah. the more I mentioned it yesterday, and the more and more I thought about, it, I was like, you know what, you know the they probably are not getting enough credit right now. They've got seven players playing. If you think about Cedric Abway, he's been helping out a lot because of the lack of tight end Mm -hmm. that the Jaguars have. So he's in there a bunch. And now he had to fill in for Cam Robinson. Didn't hear his name once he had to fill in for Cam Robinson. Must be doing a good job, right? I mean, the bust of a first-round pick, I think that's been a good signing for them. You know, you hear about these offensive line when they well, stink, right? And Norwell, is, I know, Norwell has had his issues, especially for what he's getting paid. But even the last couple of weeks, I don't remember Norwell's name as much unless I'm forgetting something. Linder, I haven't heard his name knock on wood in weeks, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. My guess is Linder's playing at a pretty good level right now for that offensive line. And the mix of Cannon Richardson seems to be working, even though we've talked about it. Yeah. might be a bit unorthodox, and, and you disagree a little bit on that because you yeah. think these guys are having trouble getting in a rhythm because they're coming in and out of the game. Yeah, just, just a little bit. I mean, that's just my philosophy. I understand if you have two... Great guards. You, you want to kind of rotate them in, I guess. That's the philosophy, but I'm still under the assumption where, I mean, if you have two good guards, you you have zero good guards. You know, I, I'm just all for getting the guy uh, that's best for the job in there and then making sure he has the chemistry down and just the, that game flow down, which is so essential for offensive linemen. And then on the other one last uh, guy to mention is Jawan Taylor. Yeah. And Now, he gave up two sacks to Cam Jordan. Mm-hmm. All right. Cam Jordan got him. Hat tip, he got him. Yeah. Uh, it's, their defense was good, and it's not like Jawan Taylor's played perfect. He's had holding penalties, he's, but he has gone up against. I mean, what he's a, learning on the he's what an the indoctrination fly. to the NFL. I mean, unbelievable fly. what he's had to go up against in the first six, seven games of his career. And again, didn't hear him mentioned last week at all. I think he yeah. must have done a good job. So, well, I, I my my sense of this man is I'm not ready to call them the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Sure, but I'm starting to think. If we look at this a month down the road, and again, knock on wood, they stay healthy mm-hmm. and can continue to play with each other, that we might look at this offensive line and be like, whoa, they're actually pretty good. Look at the allowed sacks. Look at the rushing yards. Look what they're doing. And it's starting to take that kind of shape. So you know what's funny that you, that you bring this up is the fact that, and I believe it was 2011, you know, the, the, that season for the Jaguars, nothing to shake a stick at, but we did have a silver lining in that. His name was Maurice Jones-Drew. 
that year Maurice Jones-Drew was the NFL rushing champion. And I think people kind of shortchange offensive line a lot because, listen, anytime you have the leading rusher in the NFL, your offensive line's bound to be pretty good, okay? Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. And and the fact that... And they, too, were facing eight, nine-man boxes. It well, wasn't just most. Exactly. And th- this is my point that I'm getting to here, was the fact that, in the you know, at quarterback, you had Blaine Gabbert, a rookie Blaine Gabbert, uh, who was struggling a little bit. And I think that you can kind of directly tie the offensive line play to how the quarterback plays. You know, and let's be honest, these past two games, Gardner Minshew hasn't put up some of his best numbers. And I think that kind of hurts the offensive line a little bit because it makes them look bad, even though it shouldn't, uh, especially with the way Leonard Fournette's running the ball now. So we, we have to remember, we have to see this as a whole, where they are running the ball. Leonard Fournette is, what, the second leading rusher, or he's the leading rusher in the NFL right now? Where are we at, Brent? Uh, he's the, leading AFC rusher. Leading AFC rusher right now in the NFL. Uh, that's... That's a feather in your capital offensive lineman. So I think like sometimes we get so caught up in, well, how's the quarterback doing? Um, you know, is he putting up the big quarterback numbers? And to be fair, Minshew has in the past two weeks, but I think the offensive line, like you're saying, has played better. For well, sure. speaking of Gardner Minshew, he was named the NFL Rookie of the Week again. I think that's the fifth time he's been named the Rookie of the Week in this this year. We have seven weeks. Yeah, it goes to speak again of. <laughs> Sit this guy down. He might be the offensive rookie of the year. And there are some people that believe, and I don't believe this at all, and I forget where I heard this. I forget if we were talking in the sports office, maybe last night on Jaguars All Access, or we were talking, I don't even remember now. I talked to so many people, I guess. I know, man. You're you're, you're a pretty popular dude. I think it might have been Ty. I don't know. But uh, (laughs) either way, somebody brought up, like, he could sit down and maybe still win offensive player rookie of the year, sure. and, and I don't believe that for a minute. I mean, mm. I just think Kyler Murray will put up numbers, right? Uh, the McLaurin kid from uh, the wide receiver out of Washington, yeah. I don't think he did much last night, but he's been doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Jacobs out in Oakland. I mean, no, he might not win it anyway, mm-hmm. but he sure as heck won't win it if he goes to the bench and misses the last seven games. I mean, yeah. he won't win that. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, and it, it's funny because, and granted, this guy's not a rookie, but a guy like Kyle Allen right now, right, for the Carolina Panthers, uh, Everyone's vouching for Kyle Allen to be the starting quarterback in Carolina. Pretty it, amazing, it, 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 well, at least there's a, there's a good. I mean, there, I don't know what the percentages are, but I'd say there's a good um, thought of that fan base that wants to keep Kyle Allen in with uh, Cam Newton coming off his Liz Frank injury. And if you compare Kyle Allen's numbers to Gardner Minshew's numbers, I mean, it's it kind of in the same ballpark. Same right? ballpark, except five and zero. Oh, I think they are five and zero, oh. and then, then that's a big that's a big deal. So that's a good point. But um. It's kind of funny how all like a lot of teams right now are having that issue where do you keep the, the hot streak or do you keep you know you put the the old bet back in and I get it Cam Newton and Nick Foles is two different players or two uh kind of two different I think points of their career right now but it's just kind of been fascinating the whole backup quarterback position we're gonna talk a wider view of the NFL a little bit later and I want to bring that up though because the Cam Newton thing and Ryan O'Halloran brought it up actually on Wednesday mm-hmm. it's bigger than just this year it's bigger than right now. But it's also it's a reminder on all these quarterback situations, Gardner included, that you've got to be careful. It's a small sample. And I don't want to get caught up with it, and I don't want to be hypocritical about it. I have said for a long time, when you told me Deshaun Watson was all of a sudden, not you, I'm just saying everybody, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. told me Deshaun Watson was like, oh, my gosh, he's, gonna, he's unbelievable, he's going to the Hall of Fame. I said, wait a minute now, mm-hmm. wait a minute, let's, let's see what the, the league does to correct on this. And I think he's been a bit inconsistent at times, and when he's great, he's great. And when he's not so great, he's, well, he's just a pretty average guy. But I think overall the time is saying, like, I'm not trying to win a battle to say he's not any good. I'm just saying, can we give it a little bit of time before we crown him to Canton 
And, and he is projecting very well. The other guy in that conversation, a guy like Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield last year, everybody was like, wow, look what Cleveland's doing. Look what he's point. doing. He's come in. And said, wait a minute now. Wait till the league has an offseason. Wait till the league sees more on this guy. There's more to be done here. Guys start fast sometimes. Guys have these stints, and then everybody catches up. And, and that's no different for Gardner Minshew. And I think we've seen it just for relatively in the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. The first five weeks have been different than the last two weeks. I had somebody say to me yesterday at Jaguars All Access after the show, I'm not sure it's, I'm not convinced about Gardner. Yeah, I hate to say it. I love it. I love everything going on, but I'm not convinced. Yeah. It's really the first person that brought that up. But I don't mind that take. And this isn't a knock on Gardner. I just don't think any of us know. No. It's not time to trade Nick Foles because you think all of a sudden Gardner Minshew is going to be the guy for 15 years. It's too early to tell all that. And that's kind of what makes this decision very difficult down the road, especially if Gardner Minshew plays well the next couple of weeks. And, and listen, and I respect that take. I, I really do. But at the same time, if you want to talk about small sample sizes, well, and you see this all the time with first-round picks at the quarterback position, where they come out and they play flat, and they're, they're horrible right off the get-go. Well, and I get it. They're the first-round pick, so teams are obviously committed Dwayne to Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins. And awful. But, well, he has. And listen, he's been in and out. It's not like he's the first-round pick. Let's throw him in there and keep him in there. No, he's been benched and then back in. It's it's definitely a mess right now in Washington. But my point is, with the small sample size the other way, where you bring in that first-round pick and maybe he has a rough couple first four, five, six games, well, guess what? That team sticks with him because that's who they appointed. Now, I get it with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's different because it's a six-round pick. Like, everything right now is just gravy, yeah. right? Like, you, you, didn't yeah, yeah. See, you, you didn't see a six-round pick doing Absolutely all this not. stuff. Especially once so, we watch him in August. You know, yeah, like, exactly. It's not like you got everybody excited in August. Uh, exactly. So, I mean, th- this is all gravy for everybody. But, you know, when, when you mentioned the small sample size, though, I mean, I get it. But at the same time, in that sample size, the guy has shown flashes of brilliance. And I think that those, you know, those flashes of brilliance that they need to be noted. And... Listen, I'm, I'm going to say one thing. I'm just glad I'm not the GM coming up in a couple weeks here to decide who's or the, the head starting coach. or the head coach. Yeah, listen, uh, yeah. There, there are levels of it to me, Austin, and, and I said this early on. When he did it for like two or three games, comes in relief, I'm like, okay, well, it might just be a little – nobody yeah. knows what the heck to think. Guy's playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. When it got to five games worth, I was like, okay, this is real. You know, that's what I said. If you go back and rewind the show from three weeks ago, I said, hey, this is real now. You don't just do it for five weeks in the NFL without having the skill set. My point is that doesn't also mean that you're going to five Pro Bowls and potentially Canton in the next 10, 15 years either. You know, there, there's a balance in here. And it happens to all of them. Everybody wanted to write off Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nobody wants to give credit to Fournette for the first year he had. And that was you're, good. You're correct. And 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 then last year they were like, get him out of here. Well, I think one thing me and you both agreed on was the fact that we thought Fournette was going to have a great year this year. Yeah, and, and, he's, and he's doing it. Now, he's had to change some things. I'm not telling you the evidence wasn't there if you thought that way. This isn't a knock on you if you think that way. I just think it overall, even sometimes a year or two, isn't a good enough sample. I think Taven Bryan is starting to show that. Now, does that mean he's going to a Pro Bowl? No. But he's much better right now than anybody thought going into this season. Mm-hmm. Again, people would have said, get rid of him, cut him, all that stuff. Now, if you want to still throw the Lamar Jackson stuff out there, obviously Lamar Jackson's doing fantastic things, and that's a guy I'm dead wrong about. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have wanted to invest in Lamar Jackson, yeah, and look what they're doing. But, and he's doing a great see, job, but dude, is it too small of a sample on him still? Well, and I'll be honest, with Lamar Jackson, it's funny we had that conversation with Ryan O'Hall, and like, if we could redraft that draft class, where would you pick everybody? And to me, Jackson's going number one, because... I've only seen one other player like him at the quarterback position 
and that's Mike Vick. Yeah. And the reason I think you could go back to a guy like Cunningham. And, yeah, and, yeah. And I'm not yeah. just naming black quarterback. No, I'm just sure, saying a guy that could really run threat. the style. In fact, Vick was kind of – he's so explosive but actually a little thicker to me. Yeah. Cunningham has almost like that build of Jackson mm-hmm. more so. And he, he might not. I don't even know the size, the measurables, yeah. but he just appears that way. When people forget – I mean, at the time, Mike Vick was the best quarterback in the NFL. It was just the fact that he kind of self-sabotaged himself. He with, did. with like the whole dogfighting thing, and then injuries took place after that in Philadelphia. One of the great talents the league's ever seen, Absolutely. Maybe. And, like, I, I remember having a scout from when we played the Eagles, man. It's just – it's a guy that is just out of this world. I feel like when I watch Lamar Jackson, he's so fluid, so calm, and like doesn't panic even when he's running the ball. I see a lot of Mike Vick, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's got a pretty good arm, too. And, and the thing about Lamar Jackson right now is I think he's got everybody bought in on that team as a young guy, which is a good trait oh, yeah. to have. And I didn't know be. that trait would be coming. Mm-hmm. And also, he doesn't take the hits like Watson took yeah. the he's last smart. couple of years. Yeah. He's been a little smarter, and he's mm-hmm. run for 560-something yards. Sure. So... Uh, all that we got off the offensive line quick, and we, we got really all did. this other stuff. I was on the quarterbacks. Hey, I got to get to our offensive line. <laughs> got to get to the Florida Georgia contract. That's big news and a big deal coming up next week, but now for years to come. It's next on ESPN 690 live from Ponte High School. She's great. We got out the hospital yesterday, so she's doing good. Much easier this time, so did a good job of really just preparing. The coaches gave me the notes while I was gone, so I was able to study those in the film. Uh, you know, I still have a job to do, um, but I was still there for my fiance and my kids, so uh, I was still managing to take care of everything for a short time I was there. Well, that's A.J. Boye, and uh, congratulations to A.J., a baby born. Earlier this week, he went right from Cincinnati to uh, be with his fiance. So exciting time in AJ Boye's life, and boy, I feel like the baby for AJ was treated a little bit differently than the baby for Jalen. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And I'm not even saying from the players. I'm saying from the public. We're not attacking it in the media. We're not questioning anything. We're not asking AJ Boye for the birth uh, certificate. Nothing like that at all, man. We're just like, congratulations. Uh, Here's to a happy and a healthy. Uh, uh, You know, the interesting thing about that is AJ actually was home with the baby stuff longer than Jalen was. I know. Yeah. Uh, and the, I had an off day because of Victory Monday, then yeah. an off day, and then I think it was practice on Wednesday. Very, all very was, selfish yeah. of AJ. Very selfish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, I have not been kind to Jalen Ramsey about how he handled everything in the last month, but it does show you the unfair nature of it sometimes well, that, uh, that both players went through a similar situation. And I'm just saying, I mean, I understand – Coach Marone has come out and said the baby's name, and we we always know Coach Marone has the players' backs. Yeah. Ryan seen, Elizabeth. Have, well, I'm saying, have we seen a picture of Ryan Elizabeth yet? Has there been an Instagram post or a Twitter post? Should we ask these questions, uh, or do we let it go? I'm gonna not do that. Okay, I'm, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Brent. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. Okay. Uh, all right, we'll get back to the Jags in just a bit. Congratulations to AJ Boye. Uh, hey, Florida Georgia game. It's here to stay. We knew this was in the works. Talked to some folks over the weekend in, in uh, Cincinnati, and uh, it sounded like this was getting close and close. And then, bam, this morning the mayor, uh, Lenny Curry, announcing that it's here to stay through 2023 with an option in 2025. Uh, what do you know about this game? Have you been around the game? Yeah, well, I mean, Have you been to it? Have you been downtown at so all? So I've never been to it. Really my first introduction. I mean, obviously I knew about it growing up and everything. I mean, you, you hear about the Gator Bowl. Uh, well, not the Gator Bowl, but you hear about the Florida Georgia Weekend. World's largest outdoor World's cocktail largest party. party. I didn't know Who about that until I got that? to Jacksonville. I, I'll be truthful. I didn't know about that until I got to Jacksonville. But my introduction to it was literally my rookie year, and I knew the Florida Georgia game was coming up. And that weekend we were on the road, 
And, you know, we practice at the facility, and I leave, and I notice Tuesday, because uh, I would take, I think it's the Hart Bridge back uh, to where I used to live, and there'd be people, like, camping out by the bridge. And that, that was on Tuesday. So Wednesday, I get to the stadium, and I ask, I think, Mike Ryan or one of the trainers, I'm like, hey, why are there people camping out already? And they're just like, that's what Florida Georgia Weekend does. It's literally like a whole week uh, endeavor. They call it the world's largest cocktail party for a reason. So obviously as the week progressed from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I mean, the whole thing was absolutely packed. It's uh, it, it, I, I was shocked, you know, because, I mean, in the Midwest there's good tailgating. You know, there, the, there's good college tailgating and good pro tailgating. But, I mean, this man, it's just it's another animal. Well, it's, it is an animal. I mean, yeah. that's what it is. I mean, yeah. it's incredible. It, it is so cool. Again, I'm from Rhode Island. So we don't care about college football in Rhode Island. Let's just be honest. I mean, people don't care. They like Notre Dame because there's a bunch of Catholics there. Uh, you know, I went to Brown University games as a kid. Okay. I mean, Brown University. I was going to Brown and Pasta. Ivy League, right? How, yeah, good can, how good can football be, right? Yeah. Uh, so, it, you know, not a knockup. It's just not a thing. Yeah. You know, college basketball is more of a thing, and obviously all the professional teams, mm-hmm. uh, with the Red Sox being king until the Patriots' recent run. But even the Red Sox are still king, uh, at least where I grew up. Hmm. So... All of that, and then you, I go to school in Ohio, and obviously Ohio State's a thing, right? Oh, you yeah. start, I mean, I went to Ohio State, Penn State game at Penn State after, like during my college days, and you see it there. And then I go down to Louisiana, and you see LSU, and, and that's where, you know, between Ohio State, everybody loves Ohio State and Ohio. And then LSU, everybody in the state loves either. They liked LSU at least the time when I was there way yeah. more than the Saints because the Saints weren't any good. Sure. So it was all LSU, and Saints had bags over their heads. <laughs> and, now you, and then you come down here. And, uh, and and you see, obviously, Florida, Florida State, and Georgia, and, and, and you know about Miami. And I always tell people, too, like, from my growing up, when I watched football, when I was a kid, when I was, like, my kid's age and watching everything that existed, like, I did watch college football games. I watched those evening primetime games. And I remember Florida State, Miami. Like, I, I remember the Knowles, that logo. That was a big logo. Obviously, the Canes were huge. But even though Florida was so good, like, I remember Danny Warfel and, and you know, seeing Danny Warfel and, those, and Spurrier in the early 90s. But I guess when I was really getting into it, it was more the mid to late 80s. Sure. When I was like 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old and watching everything. And I don't remember them as much. It, to me, the logos were more Miami and I, Florida oh, yeah, State. Of course. And for that matter, Georgia, to me, didn't even exist. Mm-hmm. But you knew this game. Right, and then you come here and you know this game. And this game is awesome. I mean, this is what it's all about. There's the Red River, River rivalry. Army Navy is in a class of its own because it's so different. Yeah. But there's just not neutral site games with tra- the tradition, the pageantry, the buzz, the everything. And it's right here. I mean, it, it is outside of the players' week. I think you can debate back and forth, mm-hmm. and that just depends on what you like. And that's more from a social, fun kind of party atmosphere. And I like golf. But I, those are my two favorite weeks in Jacksonville, the Players Week and, and this week. Yeah. And so to see everything that happens and to imagine that this game wouldn't be here and what it's meant for the last 85 to 90 years in Jacksonville, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But the game has changed, and you have to acknowledge that. And money's different, and Kirby Smart starts talking about recruiting. And I think this game is a recruiting tool anyway, even though you're not allowed to bring recruits on site to neutral site games. Sure. So that's what Kirby's complaining about. But I actually think this is a recruiting tool. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. You know, and, and I get it, Brent. Like you said, like times are changing everywhere in sports. But I think it's important to keep some things with tradition still alive. And I think this Florida Georgia game, or Georgia Florida game, I'm not sure where we're at right now. In Jackson, Florida Georgia. 
Florida-Georgia game. Florida-Georgia on the odd years. Georgia-Florida on the even All years right. is what I've learned. And I don't have a dog in the fight. Neither do I. I'm just trying not to defend anybody. And especially a bulldog, then it's always Georgia-Florida. Okay. If you have a gator in the fight, it's always Florida-Georgia. I just don't defend that. anybody. But yeah. for me, it's not that. And for you, it's obviously not it's that. It's definitely yet. not that at all. I just don't offend anybody. It's racers first. It is racers first and racers last as well. So when we're talking about that, though, with the tradition and everything, you know, it's just it's something special about having the fact that it's in an NFL stadium. You know, like well, let's be honest, some of that roster on the Florida Gators, some of that roster on the Georgia Bulldogs, they're never going to get to play in an NFL stadium because they're never going to get drafted or they're never going to get signed to an NFL team. So I think as a recruiting tool, like you said, I think it's fantastic. And I'm not going to hate on the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or anything, but the, you know, this is SEC country, and, and I think it, it adds a little more um, of an oomph to it. You know, from from the tailgating, from the ap- from the atmosphere to the pomp and circumstance. And I think anytime you have, especially this year, it seems extra special because I think both teams you can make an argument for why they're going to win this game. And anytime you have that, it's a special thing. Well, and here's the deal. It's a 50-50 split. All the things that we know it is. Okay, they've become cliche. We'll talk more about those things, and we'll talk about the game at length next week. We'll be in RV City, by the way. Which I've never been in. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And (laughs) I've been wanting to do that since I got in town, and we're going to be located there. We'll have an RV. We'll be in RV City with Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. But more about this deal. And here's here's the bottom line, Mm -hmm. okay? This is a great – this is the line of it all. And it's all about money at the end of the day. Money talks. In This is from the Georgia perspective. Georgia typically generates $4.3 million in revenue, according to Chip Towers from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, okay. for an SEC home game. Okay. It costs about 500000 to travel to away games. Bulldogs would clear $3.8 million if they did a home-and-home home every two years. They'd get $3.8 million if you lumped it over two years. Sure. Okay. Okay. When they play in Jacksonville every two years, they clear $9 million. Dang. So instead of making 3.8, they're making $9 million. There you go. Enough said. Enough said. Nice job by Mayor Lenny Curry to get this the done. The city of Jacksonville, the ADs to get this done. This game's staying as long as money talks. Now, could you get to a price point where you can't afford it anymore? Well, the, the, they make $35 million annually on this game. Mm. They can keep it here as long as they want. Mayor Lenny Curry made sure he kept it here during his tenure, which was a smart move. Hey, more football talk and balling and falling coming up next on ESPN 690. You know, my job is to uh, try to help out as much as I can with my course and things like that. But as far as, like, pass protection, things like that, I mean, we all we all have been doing a great job at that, you know, communicating with each other. And like I say, it just take a lot of things like that take a little time. That's all. Well, that's Leonard Fournette talking about different facets of the game. And I brought this up the other day, and we probably don't talk about it enough. But yeah. what he's been able to do on third downs to make himself a thir- three-down back, don't sleep on that. That's an important part of it. You know, they tried last year in the pre-season. Wanted to start doing that. They didn't count on that at all in 2017. We talked the other day. They had T.J. Yeldon to do that. And Yeldon uh, was awesome at it. He was really good in third downs. He mm-hmm. could catch the ball at the backfield. But what people slept on, because you don't see this, you don't really think about it, is the pass protection. They would rave about that part of it on T.J. Yeldon. Well, they wanted to kind of pass that torch a little bit or at least make Fournette into more of a three-down back, considering their investment. You know, make the next step with Fournette as a top-five pick mm-hmm. and whatever would happen with Yeldon down the road. So in the preseason, they actually kept him on the field more in 2018 so he could work on that. Well, turns out he gets hurt, he doesn't have a great year, all those things. Well, fast forward to now this year, whatever they've done between now and then, he's doing a great job. I still remember that play, and now I don't remember what game. I just remember Stonewall here in Jacksonville, I think it would have been. wasn't the Saints game. So who did they play before? Titans. 
<sighs> he did play the Titans, but maybe that wasn't the Are one. Are talking about the one where he it was the Titans? Did, he stole that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He stole yeah. Uh, on the on the um, and maybe it wasn't at home because it was the O'Shaughnessy thirty-five yard play. Maybe yeah. it was against Denver or I something. C- I don't. Remember. I thought it was against Carolina. To tell you the truth, you know what? I think you're right. Yeah. So yeah. it was against Carolina. Yep. And he stonewalled that guy. You're right. Exactly. Correct. It was a. I, I'm kind of picturing where I was, mm-hmm. and the press box of where I was sitting is kind of in the same angle of where I sit at the Jags game sometimes if I go down the stands sure. in Section 203. So yeah. I was at that same angle, and that's why I thought it was at home. I but you're you. exactly right. It was Carolina. It was a 35-yard play to James O'Shaughnessy yep. that sprung him loose. Mm-hmm. And Fournette, go back and look at the play, and we didn't really dissect that enough. Like no. I mean, We do 10 shows a week, and shame on us, but we really didn't go back and look at that. And I'm not sure if they never really had a clean kind of look at it mm-hmm. other than that high angle, but it was just like brick wall, man. Boom. Yeah. And... That's a great example of what he's been able to do in the pass protection he was talking about. He's not just talking about the offensive line, but some of the tight ends and some of the things he's been able to do. Well, and that's the thing that you have to take into account when you're you're pass blocking as a running back. It's all about the vision. And right there, Leonard Fournette, he had the vision. He literally came across from his spot, came across the quarterback. And listen, anytime Leonard Fournette's got you pinpointed, you better watch out because he's, he's a bigger dude, right? So he can definitely lay the lumber, as they say, and that's exactly what happened in Carolina. All right, balling and falling, Tom. What you got? Let's get it rocking. Balling and falling. Brent, this this one affects me back to when I was oh. nine years old growing up. This is 22 years in the making right here in the balling category. Coos, hit me with audio. And now, with the whistle, history is made as 42-year-old Vince Carter officially plays in his 22nd NBA season. It's not too often you have a chance to call games for a guy whose career spans two centuries. <laughs> That's pretty there wild. It is right there. I don't really need to say a lot, but uh, balling is Vince Carter, man, the, the the ageless one, if you will, man. I mean, I remember being a kid. I remember being in middle school, idolizing him. The Nike Shocks campaign was revolved around him and everything, and Man, the guy is still doing it, so props to Vince Carter. He is, you know, what's interesting about him is you forget, not many guys do you forget that they're playing still, sure. and you just forget they're in the league. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, there's been a couple times over the last handful of years where I've said, somebody's like, oh yeah, Vince Carter, did you see him last time? I'm like, what do you mean? Vince Carter retired like three years ago. That's kind of what I thought you know? too, yeah. Until and I he's saw still been Twitter. somewhat productless. You don't yeah. sit on the bench, and these days you sit on the bench and you're part of a roster and you make millions of dollars, especially as a veteran like him. Sure. And... You don't do that unless you can still bring it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he's still been able to bring it. He's also not the guy, because he was known for the dunking, okay? Yeah. He doesn't really remind you of a guy that would have this kind of longevity. I don't Correct. know, for, at least in my mind. Like, no, I don't know I'm if that you. makes sense. But like a guy that is so explosive, mm-hmm. a guy that you know for his ability to dunk it and get up and, and put on a show, you just don't... Like I, I feel like... Uh, uh, maybe like a forward position sure. or a shooting guard position is the kind of guy that might stick around for 20-something years, not necessarily that explosive play. Yeah, it would be like saying Blake Griffin's going to have a 22-year career as well, you know, which, and granted, Blake Griffin's revolved his game a little bit, but still, I mean, he's known for his, you know, his dunks and things like that. So the fact that, and I get it, it's NBA. Uh, it's still physical on your body. Yeah, you know, yeah. you see guys sitting out all the time during the season now. Uh, the fact that he's been able to maintain for 22 years, man, um, Whatever that guy's taking, I'll take two. I'll just say that much. <laughs> don't, don't take it, um, or it might be uh, Nate Diaz-esque, and you might not be able to oh, fight nice. in the cage. Nicely done. Ah, you see that? Yeah, I like I'd like that. to share Nate Diaz's comments, except every other word was an F-bomb. Yeah, that's, that's so kind that of will his be style. A tough one. That's kind of his style, yeah. Uh, okay, you told me, you're like, I'm not sure if you can describe this for Bowen, but uh, we're going to try it anyway. Here we go. And I don't even know, I'm sorry, Dustin, but I'm not sure if I 
say your name right. I'm going to Dustin Hegedus. He's on Twitter, okay? And he was the guy that do you remember the sign in the Cincinnati game? They showed it on TV, I think. It had Gardner Minshew with the bull with uh, the tiger. Oh, was it a tiger or a bull? No, the, the initial picture is one of a, a bull. Yeah. Right. Because that's kind of the old picture well, well, that this is playing off. Okay, I got you. But, but they put him around a tiger because they're okay. playing the Bengals. And, and to set the story straight, so that picture of the guy with the bull, that came from the movie Dodgeball. Yes, Where yes. Ben Stiller's character was grabbing the bull by the horns. Uh, Very good. I'm glad episode. you could clarify that. Yeah, you're I could, welcome. Yeah. Uh, but I knew it has reference to that picture. Sure. Yep. Uh, anyway, this guy, Dustin... Apparently was the guy with the picture, yeah. and said if I get like fifteen hundred retweets or something like that, I'll put this on the hood of my car. <laughs> well, here we are on a Friday, and it's on the hood of his car. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I mean, you're not going to be able to see it on the video feed, yeah. but if you go to Dustin Hegedus on Twitter or or just go to my Twitter and it's I awesome. retweeted a yeah. few hours ago, but that's what that's pretty cool, man. That it's was like, awesome. And I'll tell you I love this, it. We had Gardner Mitchell on Jags Report Live. Sure. Come on out to Top Golf seven o'clock every Monday. And he was on with us this week, and I asked him about that. Mm-hmm. And I said, you must see some of these things, like behind the bench, or some of the things people do, or the way they're dressed, and just kind of chuckle at it, yeah, right? Yeah. And he's like, that one was cool. Yep. Like he was like, he wasn't even like, yeah, that was kind of funny. He was like, that was cool, yep. like that one. And uh, so I love the fact that uh, Gardner was able to actually see it, yeah, and and kind of liked it. All right, awesome, man. Don't um, go falling yet. We'll okay, go to a break. Okay, sounds good. But when we come back for falling, I have the story of the world's saddest concussion. Oh, yeah. It's not, like, about to happen, so you're not going to, like, knock me out or anything. Oh, no, no, no. This already happened, unfortunately, to an athlete. Yeah, he's facing a concussion right now. Okay. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 Live in Ponte Vedra next. He's good on his feet. Uh, we don't know how he's going to be. I guess he messed up his toe or something like that. So um, he can make the open throws. He has a good deep ball. Um, seeing what he threw to Roby Anderson, he got a lot of double moves. They find ways to get him easier reads. So uh, we just got to stay on top of all that. I think you almost have to expect a bounce-back game from Sam Darnold. I think he's a good player. Well, it can't be much worse. And can, Well, yeah, I mean, to some relatively, <laughs> it will be a bounce-back game. Yeah. But I think he almost, I mean, he's been an inconsistent player in these first couple of years, but a lot of people believe that he's the best player in that in that class of, of backs. And now that's tough to say coming off Monday Night Performance. I understand that. But uh, I just don't think you can sit here and write him off. We talked about it at the top of the show. It's, it's something the Jags are aware of. I Again, I, I am so impressed with this Jags football team and how they've handled things and the maturity. That is one of the most immature football teams I've ever been around last year. Yeah. And see what they've been able to do this year. Man, you just hope that it translates into wins. I, I know that doesn't mean that. It will. you know. And, and who knows where this season goes still. But you almost feel like they've at least earned that. Like, get a break or two. you know, Get a win or two. They've gone through quite a bit, and they've held it together. And the way they deal with all – they didn't jump in on all the ghost talk. I mean, DJ Hayden had a fun one, but yeah. they didn't do all that stuff. There is a maturity about this football team that, I mean, if you could if you could put last year's team up against this one, you would say they almost would have had to grown 10 years yeah. to get far enough away from last year. Mm-hmm. Yet it's been overnight, especially. It's been one year, and – you know that doesn't. I understand what you're saying. If you listen, it's like who cares? I mean, they still got to win football games, and they're three and four. I, I get it. You know, I used to have these conversations all the time. And actually, like a guy like Campman was involved in these conversations. And I'd say, man, this guy's a really good. Like you can just tell the temperament of him. That you people feed off him. guys like you look up to him. There's an impact in the locker room. You know, he's hurt. It doesn't matter. Like you can't be an impactful guy. 
and there's a sense that they're right about that, or leadership can only take you so far, or or good. You know, the greatest thing about Calais Campbell is he's a great leader, and he does everything by example too. Mm-hmm. So he's vocal and by example because he plays so well. I mean, he, he might be a Hall of Famer if he keeps this up. So those are the best cases. But I just feel like some of this uh, intangible stuff yeah. does add up and does lead to good things. And if that is the case, if I'm right about that, the Jaguars should end up doing some pretty good things down the n- final nine nine games of this season. And here's the thing we got to remember, too, with the New York Jets. Last year when they played them, th- you know, the, the, the Jaguars were in pretty good shape. And then after that Jets game, it kind of went downhill from there. And this is a Jets team who we've heard in the interviews, we've heard in the press conferences, they remember what happened against the Jacksonville Jaguars last year. And that was the Jaguars going for two when they didn't have to. You know, and, and Doug Marone maybe had met, met a little bit of criticism for doing that call. To be honest, I don't know why he went for two. Maybe uh, it was a little uh, right there, Fred, for not, you know, for not for the Jets not taking a look at him as a head coach back in the day, whatever it was. But uh, the, the Jets remember that. Now, is that going to make him play tougher? I mean, if, if you need examples like that to play tougher, you shouldn't play the game of football in the first place. But. It is, you know, it has been brought up, and you got to remember it could be a little extra motivation. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. We're going to get the fallen in a moment. We got the fallen stuff coming. You got a concussion story. I've got something about the NBA I want to <laughs> yeah. get to. Um, but you brought it up, and we're on it. And, and AJ Boye kind of played us into this conversation, so we'll talk about it for another minute. Because the Jets are still mad about that. They're, they're, you know, they're and tech- I totally had forgotten about. It. I really did. Yeah. I forgot about. It. I did as well. And, and the Jets last year. I mean, the Jags were killing them. You got to remember that was when the Jags started three and one. Mm-hmm. That was when Blake Bortles had his two best passing days as a pro against the Patriots at home and then the Jets at home, and they jump out the three and one. Like, oh, baby, this yeah. is right where everybody thought it was going to be. Yep. And then, bam, the crash. But before that, in that game, I mean, they really had no reason to go in and score. I mean, that was a part that was not that different than Minnesota last night against the Redskins. Now, Vegas wanted people to go in and score because it was a 16-point line, (laughs) but they were not going in to score. They were trying to get a first down and run out the clock. There was no attempt in the final three and a half minutes to even get in the end zone. Mm -hmm. You know, they got as far as they did just because they ran the football and ran it well on occasion. Uh, But the Jags, it was different. They were trying to punch that in. Yeah. Now, some people say it was for a hit on D.D. Westbrook and, and, and earlier in that game, and, and I vaguely remember that. I don't think it had to do with any of that. I think this was Doug Marone related. I think Marone had a bad experience with the Jets. Mm-hmm. He's not the only one, by the way. John Idzik, who was in the Jags front office, bad experience with the New York Jets. This part, I don't believe, is part of it, but... Dave Caldwell, remember, almost took the Jets' job instead of the Jags' yeah. job. It was between the two. You know, so you have some of these things. Again, I think this is, that's, 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 uh, that's stretching it. No, but, but I hear you. Yeah. The, the bottom line for me is this was more Doug Marone-based. And this def- I think when Doug Marone writes a book someday, we'll go back to this and it will be like, okay, yeah, I wanted to needle him a little bit. Which, yeah. Which, you know, is probably not the right thing to do. You know, to bring the personal part into a game like that with yeah. all other players and everything else, and and now you got to be a little bit careful of that on the bulletin board all week for the New York Jets. Of course, and listen, if if you're a Jaguars player last year, you probably didn't mind doing that. If you're a Jaguars fan, you're probably cheering for that. But 
Yeah, and I, I'm not trying to say what goes around comes around or anything like that, but like you said, it, it is bulletin board material. Um, I'm sure Gase has been pounding that uh, you know thing home, even though Gase wasn't there last year. But still, I mean, it's something you can bring up to the players because a lot of players on the Jets right now, they were part of that team last year. And it's like I said, I mean, do you need the extra motivation to play football? No, but it may help a little bit. It may uh, be up in some of the guys' lockers right now, and you may uh, be facing a pissed-off New York Jets team, uh, and they may be coming up with their hair on fire in the first quarter. Yep. So we'll see. Here's the deal. Here's what's interesting about that. And Demetrius Harvey, uh, by the way, from LockdownJaguars.com. Again, thanks for uh, you know every, <laughs> this reminder. I'm so bad year-to-year remembering this stuff. It all gets smushed. In fact, I remember the Jets game a couple years ago when Marquise Lee dropped the pass, and the Jags didn't win that football game mm-hmm. more than I actually even remember the play-by-play of last year's game. Sure. Uh, so weird things stick out like that. But he says, weren't the PAT guys hurt? And the Jaguars, I think uh, this was before, oh. would have been before Lambo. And I think the Jaguars had some issues with some of their special teams. And I think he's right about that. That was the excuse. But as I say that, I'm probably winking. Yeah. Because I don't really think, you can still do some things in that situation. Yeah. I believe that it, it felt more. I remember being on the field at the end of that game, and it felt different than, yeah, our guys are hurt, we have nothing else to sure. do. It, it did. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. So, again, I think the book someday from Doug Marone, if he does write one, will come out and it'll be like, ah, yeah, it might have felt good to yeah. kind of put a little extra two points on it. And you don't <laughs> see that in the NFL. Show him who's boss. You don't see that in the NFL very often. You know, you really don't. No. And no. here's the flip side of that, Austin, is what, you know, where if you're in a high school team, right, if Pontevedra here and playing St. Augustine tonight, and these guys are rivals, and, and, and they play each other all the time, and there's a history, and there's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Well, yeah. you can you can motivate high school kids, just like colleges, right? Florida, yeah. Georgia next week. You can motivate. Hey, well, look, all you got to do is look at that game, right? The yeah. timeouts by Urban Meyer after the celebration in the end zone by Mark Richt. You know, you have that back and forth where guys are fired up about that stuff, and you stay on it, and you remember it, and you're in the weight room, and you think, it doesn't really work that way in the NFL, especially if it's not a rival within your division, because you really don't even know if you're going to play that team most times again the next year. Yeah. And guys have changed. I mean, look at the Jets. They have Adam Gase now, mm-hmm. right? So I think uh, I think that works less, even from, like, I know a couple of guys sounded off on it yeah. in the papers, but I just don't think that's as much fuel as it might sound like on social media. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. Hey, you tell me. You played. I mean, do you ever well, remember, other than playing the Jaguars, yeah. where you and, and you told Zach Miller, you guys wanted to, to kind of, that was a oh, little extra. Yeah. I mean, I mean listen. other than that, though, I mean, that's with your old team. Do you ever remember, like, somebody saying something about you guys or a bulletin board type of thing, oh, and you used thank it? Thank you for, sh- yes. So, you do? Story time. All right. Well, yeah. So when I was in Detroit, um, so during the during my time in Detroit, and I, I, forgive me, I think it's 2013, uh, I don't know the exact date, but the, the Lions were like a 500 team. Kelvin Johnson was kind of on, on the back nine of his career. Uh, our defense was playing very well, and Dominican Sue was obviously there. Ziggy Ansah was having a really great season. So our, our defense was pretty legit. DeAndre Levy, another great player at the time. And I was excited to play because we're playing on Thanksgiving. And hey, like, I mean, hey, I, yeah, man. Well, and, and I grew up watching. I mean, I, I grew up watching That's the awesome. Thanksgiving games, you know. And and obviously Detroit, they have the Thanksgiving game every single year. So th- this year was obviously in Detroit. And who are they playing? The Green Bay Packers. Score, you know. Like I get to play the Green Bay Packers. Everyone from my hometown is going to come watch me play and everything like that. And the game was on a Thursday, I believe. Wednesday, I get cut, and Wednesday I get let go. 
and that was a bummer. So I had to quick make the phone calls and say, hey, guys, you know, don't <laughs> sell your tickets. Don't come to the game. I'm not playing anymore, unfortunately. But I'll never forget my last words in parting that I said to the defense. Because, I mean, you know how it works. Like, I'm in the defensive line room. This, some scout assistant coming, comes to get me. Hey, GM wants to see you. Bring your playbook. All this good stuff. Okay, cool. Talk to the GM. Talk to the coach. Thanks for your time. You know, we have guys getting healthy. We don't need you anymore. Yada, yada, yada. But I'll never forget, I walked back in the defensive line room, and I told them, and I'm like, you heard what Green Bay is saying about us. Do something about it. And, and that was my last words that I said in the practice facility. The reason I said those words was because uh, I think it was Bakhtiari yeah. and L- TJ Lang, I feel like, might have said something as well. And at the time, Aaron Rodgers was out for this game. So I want to say I think it was more. I don't know. I can't remember. Who, who the backup quarterback at the time was. Uh, the guy from LSU. Um, is it Matt Moore? Not Matt Moore. He's Matt Moore is now playing um, uh, for Kansas City. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm screwing up. I'm screwing up the name. But he he was he played at LSU. Uh, he's the backup for the Green Bay Packers, basically. And oh, Flynn. Thank you. I think it was Matt Flynn. Flynn. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Flynn was the quarterback. That could have been it. I can't. Got like a big deal in Seattle and then yeah. bounced around a little bit. I, I think it was Flynn, but don't don't quote me on that. I don't part. remember him playing for Detroit, but yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying Green Bay, Green Bay. Green Bay. Yeah, he, he might have been Flynn. Then. Don't, yeah. don't don't quote me on it. But basically, what it comes down to is Lang, I think, and David Bakhtiari. They were talking smack about the defensive line, and they're saying how you know we think they're a little. And I remember the quote. We think they're a little overrated. Um, they play dirty, and we're not worried about even though we don't have Aaron Rodgers, we're we're gonna keep Flynn or whoever else the quarterback was at the time healthy and I remember reading that like on a Tuesday so the whole week I mean we were we saw those headlines and our defensive line coach who was an absolute psycho kept on reiterating like you see what they're saying about us you see what they're saying about us so literally my exiting were my exiting words to the Lions defensive line wasn't the fact that hey I appreciate you guys you know I had a good time Sue we'll see you around man like all this like you know bro hugging it out and saying I'll miss you guys nothing like that at all man I left upset, not for the fact that I got cut. I'm not going to play for Thursday night in front of my family uh, against the Green Bay Packers. I was pissed because I wanted them to kick the Packers' ass, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like, you guys make sure you take care of business because I felt like it affected me as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that, that was kind of my parting things, and guess what? They did, man. They absolutely destroyed Green Bay that game. So uh, it, it's little comments like that sometimes that, that definitely motivate people. I'm kind of bummed, though, that you didn't get to play in that. Yeah, it is what it is, man. But, but, but to, to be fair, I mean, it was a kind of a nice consolation prize. I got to go home to Wisconsin for Thanksgiving, hang out with the family and the friends and everything like that. And w- w- I was watching the game, a couple Miller uh, <laughs> high-life deeps, you know. I was probably like three or four beers deep, so it's all good. All right. Did it cross <laughs> your mind, though, as you're going into that weekend, you think you might be a part, you know, if, or yeah. do you think, do you, how much do you think about, I want to make a play so I get the, 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 the turkey leg? Oh, of course, you know? man. Yeah. Of course that went through. Turkey. Like, and now of they have course. stupid stuff like the iron and all that yeah. crap. But. Dude, of course that went through my mind. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, everything goes through your mind. Like, we're, okay, it's national television. I have to have like, a cool celebration in mind. All that stuff goes through your mind. Branding, Brent. It's all about the branding. All right. Uh, hey, we got our uh, six packs of picks, six pack of picks, and we also we we're will get some real quick. Yeah. But that was a good story. I appreciate yeah. you sharing. And uh, we got on the Jets and Jags a little bit. More Jets and Jags coming up, but first some picks next on ESPN 690. Yeah, and, you know, obviously give credit to the players. You know, they were, uh, you know, Miles was a heck of an interception. You know, it was empty. He was anticipating quick game, and, and they gave it to him, so he, you know, stayed right where he needed to be, worked off the quarterback, and was able to get a pick. Um, you know, same thing with Ronnie. So, I mean, you can really see that 
you know, they were executing uh, their fundamentals last week, and, you know, we had some opportunities. So um, if we can keep cashing in on that, obviously that helps our football team win games. Yeah, and the big thing about that uh, in turnovers, that's Todd Wash, Jags defensive coordinator, who people have cooled down on a little bit after that uh, Carolina game. <laughs> um, but I think the, the thing about the turnovers is get out in front. Man, get out yeah. in front. Get the lead. If you get the lead, then people have to throw the football, and then you can make things happen with your 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 Saxonville and your front line and, and what your strength of your defense is and, and go make a play. And, and I think Ronnie Harrison's proven he's a playmaker. D.J. Hayden, playmaker. I don't know about Tayshawn. I'm sorry, Tayshawn. I don't know about uh, Jared Wilson. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if Trey Herndon will get his hands on a pick. I think A.J. Boye can. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think all those things all result from being – Ahead, sure. and, and not being three three six six ten nine, all those things. Play from ahead and let the dogs cool. eat, baby. And there's nothing better than being a pass rusher and, and knowing you know you're up by maybe ten or you know even more, and you're in the fourth quarter. You know it's coming. They're not going to run the ball, so you, you can pin your ears back a little bit. Um, you can kind of be a little more casual with your responsibilities because you know probably a draw is not really going to come a lot. Even the screen may come, but. It's basically pin the ears back and the dogs go eat. Uh, so it was always refreshing to have that as a defensive line, even though I'll be honest with you, my career in Jacksonville, we didn't have that that much because we weren't ahead a lot. You weren't ahead a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah all defenses are built like this, by the way. It's not just Jacksonville. No, you I mean, get this is how defenses work. And, yeah. and, and by the way, when you stack numbers, like you pad stats like in that fourth quarter a little sure. bit, you didn't need all those turnovers necessarily. Yeah. But when you pad, I mean, you needed a couple <laughs> of them. But when you pad that, those stats, that's a big deal because at the end of the year, your defense starts looking a little bit better than it is. That's what I say about New England. It's not that I don't think New England's defense is any good. The fact that they're playing some JV teams, though, oh, has put an go. exclamation yeah. point on their defense. Yep. I mean, they're, they're giving up no points to Miami and Washington. Well, of course not. I mean, they couldn't yeah. score. You know, Washington's running 40 plays a game. 40 <laughs> plays a game. That's all they're running. Yeah. So, uh, that's just the way it is. Hey, before we get Bachman in here, and, and Bachman doesn't even know it yet, but he's going to be part of our celebrity six-pack today. He is a celebrity. Uh, I guess oh, that he is. Finally. Uh, yeah, finally. I mean, really, I, I asked Boris. She couldn't do it. Give the but, people what they want. <laughs> that hurts, Brent, but I deserve that. <laughs> but uh, the before we do that, we got to finish Fallen, man. So go to Fallen real curious. quick. Curious, yeah. So uh, Fallen, or should I say Taco Fallen? Oh, call, Taco Fallen. Call me he's Stuart Weber, baby. Yeah, so he's a fan favorite, Brendan. Listen, I'm a fan of him as well with the Boston Celtics, obviously. Well, if you haven't been paying attention, he hasn't really played uh, at all yet uh, for concussion reasons. Not because he suffered a concussion on the court. Care to take a guess how he suffered a yeah, concussion? he hit his head on the door. You better believe it. So Did he, he really do so, that? Yeah, so he was in the training facility uh, going to the bathroom, and while washing his hands, uh, hit his head on the ceiling and gave him a concussion. <laughs> and as hey, and then I'll be honest, as someone who uh, occasionally would hit their head in their own house because the door to the bathroom in my, in my old house in Wisconsin was up to about my nose. Um, occasionally, I'd get up for school in the morning, tired, not getting my eight hours of sleep, walk downstairs, go to the bathroom, and I'd smoke my head as well. So I can relate to Taco Fall. I'm sure he's got a lot worse than I do. But, uh, yeah, falling, get a concussion by hitting your head on the ceiling. If Taco Fall really does fall, now that would be one heck of a concussion because that's a long fall. Man, you're not even lying. Well, I mean, that not, is. Can you imagine the noise out? Yeah. Yeah, that is not stuff. good. Uh, all right, my falling real quick. Hey, uh, Kuz, I want to know, does the NBA just write this stuff up? Do they script it? Is this the WWE a little bit? Because I feel like already two days into the NBA season, three yep. days into the NBA season, we're getting, like, the drama set. Right. I mean, did, didn't Harden and uh, and and Westbrook already have like kind of like this heated exchange? They're already fighting. Yeah, well, gotta but, love it. 
I think that's a little over-dramatized. But the idea that it's even up, that we could say that yeah. is out there now, right? Uh, yeah, they lose to the Bucks, right? And they oh, don't yeah. play as well as they should play. And the Warriors are a mess. And you got given up 50 points in a game. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, I just get the feel the NBA almost sets the table for this. It's almost like these, these storylines, this everyday soap opera, is it organic? Is it real? Or is it almost like, ah, let's see what we can do here. Who's gonna? Who's almost? It's like a like a Kardashian reality show. <laughs> it's like who can get the more publicity for well, what's going on on and off the court? And the West is gonna be full of there, this stuff. There is nothing that makes me more excited than a one or two game into the NBA season overreaction from everybody on social media. It's I literally live for it. Well, because I mean, I said it to you when the show started. Are we going to give the Milwaukee Bucks the NBA championship right now, or are we going to go through the formalities and wait through the whole season? But uh, yeah, the overreactions are fantastic. And you mentioned the Kardashians, Brent. Don't forget, they do have their fingerprint on the NBA a little bit they with do. some former NBA stars. Some. So- Okay, a lot of NBA stars. Okay, a lot of NBA stars. Some. One, two, three, four. They got their own All Star team. <laughs> I'm not but, touching that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep at that. And, Brent, I also want a, a prize. Something they didn't say. I, I also want a prize or props because I, I, I was trying so hard not to put Giannis for the ball in category, but I didn't. You know, I, I wasn't going to homer up today. But uh, yeah. Giannis out of Kemp ball said, anyways, balling. Uh, Wait for the tri- other six months of the year. A, tri- a triple-double last night, so there you go. Thank you very much. All right, let's bring John Bachman in. Celebrity six-pack of picks. Kuz, uh, wow. uh, I didn't even give you guys a heads yeah, up. I'm late on it. These we, picks I will say this. We did try to um, – we, we were trying. No, no offense, John. Your celebrity status. <laughs> no, that's all right. None, none taken. We, we had a, a someone that's uh, from not around town um, that we are going to get on in a few weeks, but we thought we were going to try to get today as well. And then I said, Hey, you know what? Forget about trying to get another celeb from around town. We got Johnny Bachman. He comes up at four yeah. fifteen. He's a local celeb. Signs autographs all the time. Carries a sharpie in his left pocket. <laughs> so we got that. <laughs> So I'm your backup. Is that what hey, you're telling me? You're a, I'm not just being honest with you, man. I mean, just the way I, it is. I appreciate your honesty. Backup or closer, though? I oh, think he's the closer. that's my, that's my friend the, Austin picking me up. Go to the bullpen, baby. That's we got right. it. Hey, Shut speaking it of Sharpies, okay? All right. Uh, just quick story. I got all sorts of stories today. It should, should, could tell. But so I like writing with Sharpies. So I okay. always have Sharpie in my Oh, wow. Yeah. So I have two right now. Red and gr- I mean, a red and blue. Yep. Um, but I usually always have a Sharpie. I just like, like uh, if I have to write, I don't write much down anymore, but if I have to. So, but, of course, I always joke that I just sign an autographs all the time. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. So the other, I'm at, in Cincinnati. Okay. And Mark Lamping, I see him in, like, uh, the tunnel. Yep. And he was asking somebody from the Jags, kind of, I'm right next to talking to somebody, I can't remember who it was now, and he sa- comes up to us and he says, hey, anybody have a, a Sharpie? And it's more toward the Jags. And, uh... I was like, oh, yeah, I think I have a Sharpie. Yeah. So I give him – he's like, you do? He's like, why? He's like, why? Like, yeah. why would you have a Which, Sharpie? Oh, that's like, the exact same question. But I'm telling you what, I think uh, Mr. Lamping owes me one. <laughs> like, I think I, I somehow saved the day with the Sharpie. This is like pursuit of happiness with Will Smith when the guy asks him, uh, you know, for the $5 or whatever, and then it comes back to him in the end. Is that, is that what you're getting at? Is well, that what you want? What getting for. Hopefully there will be some breaking a, news along the way. You want a giant CEO job? Okay. I, I mean, I want you. a favor back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I got you. But it was funny. Like, his face was like, like, what the hell do you have a Sharpie? <laughs> but I really do. I mean, I carry it around all the time. Like, I put my wallet in my back pocket. Yeah. I put my AirPods, which are really cool, in my right pocket. Well, let's be careful now with that. And I put my Sharpies in my left pocket. How many Every times day have you when signed I autographs the house. with that Sharpie, by the way? 
A few times. All not right, many. Here's here's the question though. So you said you write with the sharpie as well. So like if you have like a journal or like, like a notebook, you write with the sharpie. It yeah. leaks through the paper, man. Thank you, you John. We're, we're it's on the wide. Same page, it's messy. Man. We're uh, on the same page. Well, here's how, the deal. how sloppy is that for well, you? Well, but like I write for like tonight. Okay, I got games. Yeah. Right. That I might write on. Okay. But and I and I, I'll write use the sharpie stuff there. Yeah. I just kind of like writing with a Sharpie, but a lot but of times I'll write when paper. I do games, I'll also have folders, like those manila folders, Brent, you know? It's going to bleed so through, Brent. It doesn't matter, guys. You're an animal, dude. I am. But you're I don't an write an animal. All right, let's you, get on When you go pictures. up the escalator, do you use the handrail? That's what I want to know. Uh, you're controversial. Uh, now I'm listening. Uh, no. No. Uh, no. That's an old Saturday Night Live skit. Don't mind Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> too many germs. Gross. <laughs> yep. Uh, don't ever wash that. All right, here we go. Ready? All right. Uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State. Yes. <laughs> Brent, Brent looks directly towards me. Uh, how about the Buckeyes are 14-and-a-half-point uh, favorite yep. against the Badgers. Yep. Go ahead, Austin. Set the table. Go ahead and give me Bucky here. I get it. Wisconsin got beat by uh, – keep it up, Brent. Uh, Wisconsin got beat by <laughs> Illinois. It's, it, it, it's a big joke. I had a hate about it the whole week, even from Bachman. Bachman's in Italy with no Wi-Fi service. He still finds some way to give it to me on Twitter. It is what it is. But, no, in, in all reality, listen, you have a case right now where you have the top total defense in Ohio State taking on the, the second top total defense right now in Wisconsin. Yes, I did my research a little bit, Brent. You're welcome. And I think when you combine those things, and I get it, Ohio State's got an explosive team. And Wisconsin, a little more of that slower-paced, uh, you know, run-first kind of style. But I think it's going to be a close game, and there's no way Wisconsin's going to give up that many points. So uh, I think it's going to be an under for sure, and I have Wisconsin covering the spread, but I think Ohio State's going to win it. My gosh, how much money did you put on this game? I mean, you just went like seven minutes. John's got to be on TV at well, 5 dude, o'clock, my, man. My, my bad, man. Sorry. Well, hey, maybe if I would have knew who the teams in advance, it would have helped out a little it bit. It sure as hell right. sounded like you knew who the team was right. going to be there. Right. <laughs> Can we do this when Wisconsin and Iowa play? Because I'd like to do that. Uh, what is that? Well, November we 9th, right? Yeah, it's November yeah, 9th. Oh, we're doing it. We're All right. right. Wisconsin, Ohio State, John. A 14-and-a-half point favorite the Buckeyes are. I'm going to go short for you so you can save some time. Don't mess with an angry badger. I like that. Yeah, I feel like I picked. I was trying to think of what I did with my Take Your Pick podcast stuff. Uh, and I think I went with Wisconsin as well to cover. But now that you guys are going, I'll take Ohio State. Oh, quite, <laughs> quite the contrarian. Good for you. I can't remember which one I did over there. Uh, all right, we got a really good one, guys. Auburn, LSU. LSU is favored by 10.5 over mm. top 10 Auburn. Now, keep in mind, they were favored by 13.5 over Florida, and they covered. They won by 14. Go ahead, John. Auburn, LSU. Is it at LSU or at it is. Auburn? It is, but it's not at night. It's a 3.30 game. I'll go LSU. Ten and a half. They've been outstanding. You know, Joe Burrows is in the Heisman race, probably yep. front runner, uh, and their offense has been great. Auburn's is always disappointing, it seems, mm-hmm. but then they'll go sneak up and beat Georgia a couple years ago, you know? Yeah, yeah, but so, so does South Carolina, so what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, in my opinion, Brent, I think if Auburn wants to win this game, they have to slow it down, rely on the running game a little bit, and keep that LSU offense off the field. They can't do it. LSU covers. I'm going to say this is a hiccup game for LSU. They've been smooth sailing all along. You know, to play three top ten teams, they played Texas and Florida and now Auburn. They'll win, but I think somehow there's a backdoor cover here by Auburn and Bo Nix. I'm going to take Auburn to okay. cover the ten and a half. Notre Dame, Michigan. 
fantastic mm. football game. This and is it's not Michigan, It's correct? even, guys. It's even. I'll make this easy for mm. you. I'm going to stick with the Domers here. Brian Kelly doesn't get enough credit for what he's been able to do. Mm. I think he's done a nice job there. Uh, and and they, they have an outside chance at a playoff. Highly unlikely. They better win this game if they want to. I think Ian Book will get it done, even mm. though this does feel like one of those games that could be really important for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Even matchup, I'll take Notre Dame to win. Mm-hmm. John, this is at this is in Michigan. It is. Ooh, this is tough. I would normally I would take Notre Dame, but it's in Michigan. They've already had their bad hiccup game. I'm going Michigan. I am taking Michigan as well. The last uh, six games that were played between these series, the the home opponent, the home guy has won every single time. Go and give me Michigan at home. Very good call there. Yeah, I did I mean, my research. You did what research I said. on games you didn't even know we were going to pick. Well, to be fair, I had to do my research because I'm also in a different pool where I had to do my research <laughs> in. Where we're actually there is money on the line. So yeah, obviously I did my research. We'll talk later about your gambling problem. <laughs> Hey, Kuz is in it, too. <laughs> I mean, I oh, I'm snitching all day, baby. I'm snitching, Kuz. <laughs> yeah, if I'm why? going down, you're coming down with me. Uh, all right, how about this? The Chargers at Chicago, and the Bears are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. That's a tough game to pick. Three-and-a-half points for Chicago. Chargers on the road, and they've been smarting, man. Uh, and Chicago, who the heck are they? I have no idea. Go ahead, Austin. Oh, So this is at Soldier Field, you yep. said? Oh, man. This, we didn't have this one in the office pool. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and give me the Chargers, I think. They, they have to have a bounce-back game eventually. I think they finally realized that Austin Eckler is the key here. you got to stop giving the ball to Gordon so much. He's obviously kind of a shell of himself this season. So go ahead and give me the Chargers. All right, Johnny. Well, this is called a, dis- a disappointment versus disappointment game, so really who cares? But I'm going to go with the <laughs> NFC North because it's the NFC North, and I'll take the Bears. What are you, like, out of the SEC or something? I mean, geez. <laughs> uh, John's going to be celebrating the Packers winning the Super Bowl and saying that it's all good for the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I'm not. Well, at least the NFC North won it. <laughs> I will never, by Classic the way. Classic SEC fan. I will. I, don't drop those. Uh, what are those? Kale leaves. Chips, right? <laughs> kale chips. They're not leaves. <laughs> well, they are leaves. Well, they also weigh like or an leaves. ounce, so the they wind just leaves. takes them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. By the way, uh, I'll never for the life of me understand why the SEC people root for the SEC all the time like I'm it's their own team. I just don't get it. Not, I guess you got to be from around here to, root, to, to do that. I don't understand it. Uh, Packers or Chiefs, I would go for this game, but Mahomes has been ruled out, well, so I'm not doing it. Are you okay. taking the Bears or the or the? Chargers oh, I never split? did. Uh, no. I'm taking uh, Chicago. Okay, gotcha. Uh, uh, but uh, so anyway, let's go to well, the other game. I just had it. Sorry, you said the Packers and the Chiefs. Right? No, no, I'm oh, not he's not doing that. Oh, he's not doing that. Yeah, okay, that's too sorry. easy now. Yeah, Mahomes is out. So uh, is it though? You yes. Think it's too easy. Yes. Well, the spread gets all thrown off. Green Bay is favored by three and a half. It's the yeah. NFC North. Are you going to mock me again? Yeah, I'm no, I'm not doing that game. Okay, you guys aren't talking me into doing the game. I'm not doing that game. Go ahead and give you Kansas City. I think their defense comes out and plays really well. I'm going to put a side uh, bet on that. Kansas Austin, City. I'm taking the pack. Okay, Let's go. Back it is. <laughs> put, put it down off the books. <laughs> off the books is a side off ledger. Let's I'm do not it. doing it. All right, how about this one? A good one. Carolina at San Francisco, and the 49ers oh. are favored by five and a half over yeah. Carolina. Mm, yeah. And the mm. unbeatable Kyle mm. Allen. Yeah. yeah. John, you want this one first? I'll go first. The 49ers are my pick for the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. I'm going to make it right now. The 49ers winning the Super Bowl. How about you that? You are such a front-runner, Bob. Wow. No, I'm, I, I said this before day. the season started. I said the 49ers are sneaky good, and they are going to win this game. Hey, John Bachman, cover. show me the car facts, because I don't believe you. <laughs> show me the car facts. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is the real deal. 
Listen, it doesn't make much sense, but I'm taking the Panthers here. I think uh, the 49ers are going to have one of those games where they're going to falter a little bit, and I think it's going to be this game. So go ahead and give me the Panthers. This is fascinating. I, I'm agree, I agree with you. Yeah. It's five and a half, so I'll yeah. take the five and a half points for Carolina. Sure. I think they'll keep it close. And I actually think that they win the game, too. Yeah. Because, mm. but, but here's the feel about San Francisco. San Francisco's not like... Good undefeated like New England's good undefeated. Correct. They're not. And they have a very good defense, but they're not like – their schedule's been favorable. They've got a couple good wins, too, and, and I just don't feel like, oh, my gosh, they're going 15-1. and one. But there is a caution to that tale, and it has to do with the Carolina Panthers, who they're playing. Because the Panthers, a few years ago, when they went to that Super Bowl, they were that team. They were the team I picked against every single week to lose, sure. and they just kept winning and winning and winning, even though it didn't feel like they were like 15-1 and one kind of team. <clears throat> yeah. They ended up 15-1 and one that year. That could be San Francisco. I like their football team too, John. I don't know if I like them to go to the Super Bowl, but I like their football team, and uh, I do think they're just they're not going through this thing without a blemish, and I think this is one. Well, if the 49ers it. don't make it, it's because they're going to lose to the Vikings, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but you have to ask yourself this question too. I mean, they're great in the trenches. Offensive line is good. Defensive line is good. The Running game is good, but should we believe in Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't really shown us. Kyle Shanahan can win games with me at quarterback. Well, he could, and, and Shanahan is really, really good. And by the way, again, I always say this: Robert Sala, very good. It's the same scheme they're running here in Jacksonville, yeah. and they do it with good. It's a players' league, you know, and they've been awesome on defense. But I like your Kyle Shanahan talk. I think the misnomer right now is people look at their record and they're like, I've heard this from several folks, they're like, look at the way Jimmy Garoppolo is playing. Look at the way, well, that's not really been the case. If you look at the way Jimmy Garoppolo is playing, he's okay, but he's not playing like Russell Wilson's playing. He's not doing what Mahomes did. Heck, he's not even doing what Bridgewater's doing, I don't think. So, or even like Kirk Cousins as of late. It's, so I think the book is unwritten on Jimmy Garoppolo, to your point. But they are so good defensively, they really just need Garoppolo not to lose them football games mm-hmm. at this stage. And the last I checked, he hasn't yet. And he hasn't. So he's been good there. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's go to the Jets and the Jags now. This is, oh. is it a cautionary game, or is it blowout city? Six and a half. Now, this line Ooh. started at four and a half. Yeah. And then Vegas saw ghosts, and it went up to six. <laughs> and now the betters are seeing ghosts, and it's gone up to six and a half. This is a little scary how much this line has moved in the last week. It's a six-and-a-half-point spread for the Jags. You like it or not, John Bachman? It's the week of Halloween, and that stadium has a lot of ghosts. <laughs> I am picking the Jags to cover easy. Easy, man. Oh, I think the Jaguars are definitely going to win this game, Brent. Not a doubt in my mind. But I can see it being a six-point game. I, I really can. So I have the Jags winning, but go ahead and give me the Jets with the points. I went back and forth on the same thing you just did. It's I actually, hard. I, it's really tough because I, I think the Jets are better than people are giving them credit Correct. for. But I also believe I really like the temperament of this Jags football team right now. Sure. Uh, I, I think they know they've got to get back to 500. I think they're going to find a little momentum. And I kind of agree with you, John. I predicted uh, 31 to 13 in this game wow, for the like Jaguars it. to kind of run away with a victory. I think so. everything clicks on third down in the red zone, and they cash in. They've been close enough yeah. to get 31 points. I mean, they scored 27 last week. Now I know a defensive touchdown, but they still were awful in the red zone, and they've been terrible on third downs. If they get a couple of those plays to click, well, they're 31 and easy running away, yeah. and you're talking about a two or three more turnover game at the very least from this defense. So I like it. Uh, and, and it's, listen, please, Jaguars, 
enjoy prosperity once in a while. <laughs> I mean, you have one home game in 42 days. Can you give oh, the people of Jacksonville, man. can you give the Minshew Mania, can you give the oh, Jacksonville man. Jaguars fans something for the next six weeks to celebrate and sit on here at home six like you couldn't do against no New Orleans Saints? box food? Oh, that's a bummer, dude. <laughs> Those they, egg rolls were on point last week. You know, and ago. we will flip the script next week. But this possibly is the second-to-last game for Gardner Minshew at quarterback. Uh. That's reality. Next week, we'll be talking about that. It could be yeah. his final game at QB for the Jaguars in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All right, Bachman. Get this Sharpie out. Go sign for everyone down in the newsroom. Sign me up for a 5-0 and week, and uh, don't forget, Austin, you're going to owe me some cash. <laughs> Can't wait, man. Looking forward to it. All right, I always right, come and collect. Check so out John Bachman, uh, 5 o'clock on CBS 47 and Fox 30, along with uh, Tanika Hughes and Mike Burrish, and we'll join him on the sports side as well. Of course, we have the Friday Night Blitz tonight. 10.30 is going to be on Facebook because of the World Series, and then we'll go at 11.15 on CBS 47. Uh, and our game of the week, of course, right here at Ponte Vedra High School against St. Augustine District Championship on the line. Talk more about that in a bit. Coming up, back to the NFL and the Jaguars on ESPN 690. Well, you know, I mean, obviously we had quite a few linebackers in this week. Um, you know, we're going to take the best player. You know, I think it's our job. Whoever's going to get out there, we just got to make sure they feel comfortable in, this, in the system. Obviously, this week it worked out where it was Donald and Malcolm, you know, having Malcolm up in Seattle and then, you know, Donald being here for a while. So that really definitely helps going in this week. That's Todd Wash, Jacksonville Jaguars defensive coordinator. They've got an issue, a linebacker. Yeah. But now we disagree a little bit. I don't think. I, I, don't, I shouldn't say we disagree. We went through the whole roster yesterday and said, okay, well, that linebacker spot you thought could hurt you a little bit more. I don't know. I, I, I don't get the feel. I think they can kind of plug and play and be average in that spot. Uh, now, Quincy Williams cost him a little bit because I think of his inexperience. They're bringing in guys that have played before. Malcolm Smith, he's used to the scheme, True. right? Uh, whoever they end up putting there I think will be comfortable enough to play, know the rules, I guess you're supposed to play from that spot. Now, they might not be a splash play, they might not be anything like that, but at the end of the day, I think you can just at least get by and fit a guy in without it killing your football team. That's the way I feel, I guess we'll see. Yeah, you know, and it's not necessarily like we truly disagree on this point. My point is the fact that as a linebacker now in the NFL, like, I mean, I think back in the old days, it was just, all right, you have to play the run, you come downhill and you do your job and play your gap. Sounds good. But nowadays, I mean, you know, the, the offenses are they're so versatile and, and they're so intricate, especially in using the backs as, you know, in the pass game. And the Jaguars will be facing a guy in Le'Veon Bell who's using the pass game a lot. And he's, he's a pretty damn good running back on a, you know, an okay to below average team. So from that perspective, I mean, I understand what you're saying where, yeah, maybe there's going to be a little rust, you know, you got to shake off uh, from that point. And, you know, they're experienced guys, one's a former Super Bowl MVP. So, you know, he, he has played with talent before. But I'm just worried that, you know, everyone being on the same page, that communication factor, you know, now getting the live reps because it's hard to mimic it in practice, especially on such short notice where they're bringing in all these new guys. Yeah, we'll see what happens uh, with that part. We'll talk more about it. We have some questions to answer when it comes to Yannick Ngakwe in a little bit, too. That's coming up in just a few. But before we do that, let's uh, welcome in Stuart Weber, Action Sports Jack Stuart Weber, back in the studio. And he'll be out and about on the Friday Night Blitz coming up in uh, just short order. What's up, Weber? Well, it's happening. Ready for another... Exciting week of high school football here. 
All right, before we do that, and by the way, we got you on the program box now. Yeah, it's a little pretty, double split screen. I like I, I requested it. Yeah. I bet you did. I bet you did. Uh, here's a great great thing that happened today, okay? Here's okay. Awesome. What do you got? Uh, St- Stuart hates, hates, mm-hmm. like hates with a passion mm-hmm. when people don't call him Stuart. I know. That's why I always call him Stuart. Yeah. One of the first things nice it's much appreciated. It's one of the first things he ever told me. One of the literally the first thing I think he ever said to me was uh, when I call him Stu, it takes some of the art out of his name. Yes. So the funniest thing that ever really like we had this GM that used to be our general manager, mm-hmm. and he didn't know this. Okay. So he would call Stu Stuart Stu. Mm-hmm. He'd call him Stu. Sure. Right. And just and he didn't mean anything by it. No, he just called just, him Stu. Yeah. And so well later on like I eventually told him I was like hey he doesn't really like. like yes. Yeah. But he kept calling him Stu anyway. Okay, like, I don't think that's he a little could, disrespectful. No, but I don't think he was doing it on purpose. I think he just kind of, he just kind of was a, an habitual thing, muscle yeah. memory. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then I think from well, time I lead to time, conversations with telling people not to do it. Yeah, but people like really, what's Stuart going to do? What's he going to tell the general manager not to call him? <laughs> Stuart, right? I, I mean, how I much can he do with him? Yeah, yeah. He will call you what he wants. So, yeah. so that's the beautiful thing. Well, today. In our, we have like a group text message mm-hmm. between a couple of per, Olivia and another producer, and then all of us in sports. Cool. And so the so somehow I don't know if it got autocorrected or not, but the, the voice news producer oh, it was a voice to text. Yeah. And so it put Stewart, but it spelled it S T E W A R T instead of S T U A R T. Sure. Well, that prompted oh just a barrage Uh-oh. of. Me to say Stuart spelled that way. Then we called him Stu, and then somebody else called him Stewie. So just really po- oh, oh, Stewie. Man. Oh, Stewie. I mean, oh, we just Stewie, and I expect it from uh, other coworkers, but not from Brett. Brett's usually pretty good about these things. <laughs> <laughs> but see, it doesn't bother me when people yeah. say Brett. Although I am always just amazed that, like, your signature, you know, your email signature. Yeah. Like, you, you know, it's talking about, like, at work, it, it'll be like Brent Martineau, uh, you know, CBS, Fox, yep. ESPN, 690, sure. all that stuff. You know how many people respond and say Brett? And it's like, it says Brett. <laughs> it says it right, says it right in it. Like, like, you know, like, and I don't mind it. My Steph's I grandmother, Steph's grandmother used to call me Brett all the time. It was Brett? Like, really? Funny. Yeah, okay. Funny. okay. But, so I never minded it. But it is funny. It's like. It says Brent. Like, I responded Brent. Yeah. Uh, but it is funny how so. And that might be an way, autocorrect thing, too. It could. It could potentially be an autocorrect I found out thing. today that Dorfman doesn't like to be called Dorfman. He doesn't? No, he, he wants to be called Mike. Oh, I never knew that. I, that's but what I, call I found out today. But see, I'm going to be like the old GM in this part, and you're Weber, because him I just call I yeah, call him Dorf a lot. Like sure. I call him Dorf or Dorfman, but I don't call him Mike like ever. And I didn't know he didn't like it. I just so now it's a habit. Yeah. Well, it ain't happening. Well, it's it muscle ain't memory, happening. man. That's yep. tough. You, like, you don't get to say like if I want to call you a nickname, you don't really get a say in it. No, true. I mean, you have to earn your nickname. It's not like you can. It's like the sample episode where George might be called T Bone. Like you know, you don't just be called T Bone. You have to earn that. So, yeah. yeah, and yeah. you don't get to name it. I exactly. mean, you just get you just get called what you get called. I like that. All right. That being said, let's talk some high school football, Stuart. <laughs> yeah, We've got let's three do it. district championships here. One of Ponte Vedra St. Augustine. We flex the game of the week, and this should be a dandy, shouldn't it? Yeah, I I love the fact that we're able to flex games. That feels like we have all this power. <laughs> yeah, and after all this time of being like, why don't the Jags get flexed into this game for years now? It's like, well, we now have the power to flex in the high school game of the week. So uh, pretty excited that we're able to get out there for what should be a really good game between some in-county rivals. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about all three of these 
district championship games, these matchups that will determine who wins the district and by virtue of that gets a home playoff game. I mean, there's a lot on the line for these teams. And some of these teams, they might lose the district championship and not even make the playoffs at all. That's the case over at Menendez and Orange Parker. Orange Park, excuse me. Both of those teams are right on the fringe of the, the playoff rankings. So you win, you're in because you're going to be district champion. But if you lose that matchup tonight between Orange Park and Menendez, you're probably not going to the postseason. Meanwhile, West Side's that got a little... That doesn't seem right. <clears throat> it doesn't, but at the same time, you're you're getting the best eight teams into the playoffs is the idea. So you're getting the best four at large, and, and maybe this is a district that only deserves that one team to make it into the postseason. So I get uh, it. I, I, I it's the, the methodology, of course, will be questioned, but I get it. Uh, and, you know, that, that RPI that you have is based on how well you did this season and the, the strength of schedule that you had. So, you know, you, you earned your way into that spot of being on the fringe or, you know, in a good spot. So, well, we already had a coach of the week, Tom McPherson, as well from Orange Park. He's done a fantastic job to put them in that position. Uh, Jeff DeSandro, the coach here at Ponte Vedra, he's been our coach of the week. Heck, we, we know all about St. Augustine's program. I mean, so you got, and Menendez has done a nice job the last couple of years. So, uh, you got some schools. And then the surprise one, man, in Duval County. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Yeah, Westside and Terry Parker, uh, really, the fact that Westside is the number two seed right now in that region is a bit of a surprise. I mean, you, you wouldn't have guessed that coming into the year. So, you know, props to the guys over there, Coach Rodney DeBose and his team, the Wolverines, for, for doing what they've done this season. It's been impressive. I've been to a few of their games, and, you know, they, they're able to go out there, compete, and by the end of the day, they get that win. It's, it's usually, you know, there's some, some moments where you got to hold your breath a little bit during the course of those games, but we'll see how they do against Coach uh, Sharon Dorsey and the, the Parker Braves tonight. Marcel Robinson will be at that one. I'm going to be at the game at Orange Park. Of course, you're going to be at the game at Ponte Vedra. So we, we'll have post-game reaction from all three of those district championship games. Pretty excited about it. Even though we won't have our traditional show at 1030 uh, because of the World Series on Fox 30. So we will be doing it on Facebook instead. So we, we could have just said, ah, we'll just do the 11 o'clock show. But no, we want to bring you, the people at home, the full highlights from these games and the reaction. So we're doing a special edition of the Blitz 1030 on our Action News Jacks Facebook page. We we stream it there every week anyways, but this week it'll just be only on that Facebook page. Awesome, man. Good work. As I always say, uh, Stuart Weber does all our Friday Night Blitz coverage. does a fantastic job, and, and now we've grown into this game of the week also on all our social media platforms and on ESPN 690. It's been a fun year. Week number 10. One more week next week, and then the playoffs hit in two Fridays. Have a good night out there. We'll talk to you on our Game of the Week at halftime, Stuart. Sounds good. Can't wait. All right. Back to uh, the NFL and the Jags right after this on Action Sports Jags, live from Ponte Vedra High School on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back to Ponte Vedra High School. We're in St. John's County for our Action Sports Jags Game of the Week on ESPN 690. This place will be rocking tonight. I'll tell you this. You know, one thing about, we were in Baker County last week, great, great football area. We had Micah Ross on. I think he was really impressed. It was his first time out there. You get a police escort from the high school to the football field. They do it right, man. Classic. They love their high school football. But what's amazed me, and I live down in St. John's County, but mm-hmm. I live closer to Creekside. That's where my kids will end up going. And, even, and Creekside's a great example of this. Quite honestly, they have not been that good in football. But their atmosphere is fantastic. The kids all come out and... and 
you know, the parents, obviously, the support systems, the bands, the cheerleaders. I mean, the atmosphere is really good. You'd think they have this tradition that's off the charts. Yeah. You know, Nice. St. Augustine does have a tradition of really good football. Bartram Trail now has built tradition over the last two decades of winning football. They've had some fantastic players, and Daryl Sutherland has done a great job. But this place is underrated. Yeah. Come here on a Friday night here at Ponte Vedra High School and see what these guys do, and this place will be rocking. I guarantee you, more than 5,000 probably here tonight wow. for this one between St. Augustine and Ponte Vedra. And it's just, I'm impressed with the atmospheres in St. John's County because it's somewhat new still, sure. you know? And it doesn't have, it's not tradition rich necessarily. They're kind of building some tradition now, building some success. And uh, they love their football, uh, which is really cool. Yeah, I and mean, listen, I mean, I'm not too familiar with the the high school football in Jacksonville as far as like the stadiums are concerned and things like that. But this is one of the only ones I've ever really been to. But this is a this is a really cool environment, man. You get the palm trees in the back a little bit and everything. Uh, it's, it's definitely a change of pace for me, coming from you know the the good old Midwest, and uh, <laughs> there's a lot of palm trees over there. So yeah, this is a really cool venue, a really cool place. To, uh, looks like they have a football game. So I'm kind of bummed that to go train tonight. I won't be able to take part in the atmosphere, but. Looks like it should be a pretty good showing. And you're going to train out at the beach, huh? Yeah, yeah, we're going to train on the beach tonight. Um, so every once in a while, we'll kind of do some, you know, pad work on the beach. It really helps uh, being barefoot in the sand. It's kind of like resistance training Sounds for your like footwork. Ah, well, what's that? Resistance training in the no, sand? Barefoot in the sand. Oh, barefoot in the sand. I'm sure it is. It, well, By is, Zach is, Brown. Is, is it a, exactly. Is it's it a song? That about or? like Old Dominion or, or someone like that. It's or, definitely a country song. It sounds like a country song or like a bottle of wine or something, too. Barefoot in the sand or like a drink. I don't know. Something like that. But yeah, so we're, we're going to be in uh, Jack's Beach tonight training. All right. Uh, very cool. We got a story we have to share. Dude. The happy hour horn's coming up. Yeah. But what do I always tell you, right? Say, I respect the heck out of football players because this is a violent game, and you guys don't believe me, but yeah. I would not play for a million dollars in uh, a series or a couple series, whatever you you signed me up for. I just wouldn't do it. Yeah, I say it, I wouldn't do it. Well, Marcel Darius just posted something at least this afternoon, or I don't know when he posted it, but you found it yeah. on Instagram. And explain this. Now, Marcel Darius, if you don't know, defensive tackle for the Jacks. You know, fantastic player. He's been very good. We don't talk about him that much, but he does the dirty work on mm-hmm. the interior. And an athletic 300-pound man. Uh, played very well for the Jags since coming over from Buffalo a couple years ago. And he went up to Philadelphia, had to have core muscle surgery, yeah. and he's out for four to six weeks. Jaguars actually just put him on the injured reserve list today. He's eligible to come off later in the year, like the last game of the year, if yeah. things work out, if. and maybe for the playoffs if the Jags were fortunate to make it. But then you see this, and you're like, Gosh. So to set this up a little bit, when we were talking to Stuart, if people were watching, uh, you know, on on the video uh, stream, you may have noticed my glasses come off for a second and kind of like just a, a shocked expression on my face. I think my mouth was left agape a little bit, and I showed Brent the, uh, the this message. But this is uh, this is taken from Marcel Darius's Instagram. Um, and actually, I think Jaguars Maven uh, with Sports Illustrated, they, they retweeted it. That's how I came across it. So props to them for sharing. But uh, this is what it says. And this is, uh, this is a quote for quote here. I feel great. And this is from Marcel Darius. I feel great uh, now hearing all the blessings from friends and family. Thank you. All but I would like to let everyone know what happened. My whole core was detached from my pelvis. In my groin on the right was completely detached. And 20% of my left groin was still attached. Crazy as it sounds, I finished the game and pulled it out. Go Jag. So to set this scene real quick for everybody um, that may not have got that message, so obviously your core muscles, your abs basically, yep. they're attached to your pelvis, and then it obviously wraps around uh, to your groin region and almost to like the, like, kind of like your 
butt muscles. Almost like a right? jock strap. Exactly. Yeah. The very minus nice visual. The, minus the abs. M- minus the abs and minus Gardner Minshew. But yeah, same thing. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> what happened true. was is the fact that his core muscles literally detached from his pelvis and detached from his right groin, and only 20% of his core muscles were still attached to his left groin. But so what, what I don't understand, you know the body well because well, you've been through yeah. all this stuff, but what, is, what does that even mean, detach? Like, See, to... To, to me, like, if you detach something, that means, like, if you, like, rupture an Achilles, like, it's detached. Yeah. So, what I'd garner is that there's a giant hole in his core that, like, rolled up his, like, his, his core muscles, basically, from his pelvis all the way to his groins. So, think of, like, I guess, like a win- window shade, like, if you roll up a window yeah, shade, yeah. like, real fast, and it rolls up. That's what I feel happened to Marcel Darius here. And, and he finished the game. And, th- and this is the biggest point. You know, like, I'm sure people have had, like, a Charlie horse in your side, or you've been punched in the gut before, and that hurts. You know I mean? I've, I've had bruised ribs before. Those hurt. And honestly, I don't even know how to speak on this, because I have no idea what the pain is like, but imagine tearing your entire core. I, I, I like imagine doing sit-ups. It hurts right now when straight. you're saying it. I'm yeah. trying to visualize well, this, and, and it's hurting. And that's like why my and reaction. I can't, I'm looking for my ass. Th- that's why my reaction <laughs> on the video was so crazy because literally this guy detached his pretty much entire core and finished up an entire game. You know, getting even getting in your stance had to be a chore, let alone taking on a 300-pound lineman. So, I I don't know the extent of this injury. I have no idea how long he's going to be out for. Hearing this, I assume he's done for the season. I I can't see someone coming back from this, but once again, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know the extent of it. But props needs to go to Marcel Darius for, for manning up and playing with this injury because I, I honestly, I, I cannot imagine the kind of pain he was in. Okay, so like they signed Akeem Spence today because he's on now sure. going on for seven or eight weeks, uh, yeah. th- this IR. And, and like you said, he might not come back. I mean, that sounds a lot more serious. I, you yeah. know, this wasn't, like I said yesterday, a lot of times these guys go up to Philadelphia, it's for the hernia, yeah. you know, and not say the hernia, hernia hurts too. Huh? Oh, yeah, but yeah, just, yeah. You yeah. can recover from that four to six weeks. Yeah. Well, I think everybody kind of assumed, okay, go up there to that doctor in Philly, it's a four to six week injury most likely yeah. this seems like it could be more and actually yeah. uh jeff lagerman hinted yesterday this could be more on jaguars all access so it, it appears like it could be yeah what i'm trying to figure out is how the heck does that happen like in a foot like in his you know like i understand a running like fred taylor you know years ago yep. ripped the the groin right off the bone is yeah. what they said right yeah. and i kind of picture like a rib Yep. You know, like not the rib body part. I kind of picture the rib like that I eat. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, sure. and just rip right off the bone. I mean, yeah. that's what you kind of get that visual. This yeah. one I have a hard time visualizing, but I'm almost trying to figure out like a running back ripping the, the groin off the bone. I can understand that. Sure. I don't understand how a 300 pound guy in the trenches who really doesn't, you know, there's not a lot of movement other than yeah. a lot of pushing and shoving going on, but I guess that puts a lot of stress on your midsection area to be able to do that. It's incredible that it happened. He already fought through an elbow injury all the early part of the year, too. So he's been hurting most of the season and still been playing pretty good football, according to everybody who really watches the the interior, yourself included. So it's fascinating. I'd love to know if he knows the play that it happened on or if he feels it or if it goes back to maybe – it started happening two weeks ago, and he's been working through this, and, and then it really See, happened. And, and it's Sunday. Yeah, it's one of those things. And listen, I I don't have the answer for you, Brent. I, no, I, I get I, it. I, I get it. I'm just but, curious about but, it. But to kind of compare it a little bit, because you see these injuries happen a lot in the NFL too, especially with linemen. 
it's the torn biceps or torn triceps. Where if you watch a YouTube video of a guy bench pressing 500 pounds, he drops the bar, tears his bicep. Yeah, that makes sense. But every once in a while, there's going to be a football player and predominantly either defensive lineman or offensive lineman for whatever reason when they you know when they explode out of their stance and put their hands up, they tear a tricep or a bicep. And these are you know these are world class athletes. These are guys that live in the weight room for whatever reason. Just sometimes these freak things kind of happen, and there's really no there's no answer for them. You know where I'm bringing this to. I don't know. What okay. do you got? Well, here's the deal. Yeah. You think Marcel Darius was just kidding when he faked that oh, back injury? <laughs> or do you think he tore, tore his core muscle? No. What oh. I think is this is more evidence, though, of what guys play through and oh, why they might okay. have a problem with what Jalen Ramsey yeah. did here in Jacksonville for a few weeks. Okay. Yeah. I mean, again, this isn't to spin it back. We've talked at length about it. Mm-hmm. But isn't this further evidence? And Marcel Darius was the guy in the locker room that when reporters came over and Ramsey was traded, he yeah. kind of faked the back injury a little yeah, bit. Absolutely was. And, and, again, we don't believe – we have not positioned this as, as Ramsey faked the back injury. Mm-hmm. My point is people play through things. Nothing's ever clean. The, the adage is nobody's healthy at this point of the season in the NFL. Correct. And could Ramsey have played when he said, We're gonna, I'm going to do everything I can for my teammates? It's a fair question, especially in hindsight, especially given the Darius part of it. Darius already fighting through the elbow, maybe was already hurting even in the ab area, yeah. and then plays through this. It just goes you the lengths that some will play through. And that doesn't mean everybody will. And no. some players don't want to put bad tape out there. But it shows you the length that some players will play through. You shared a story yesterday with the labrum and puzz. Yeah. He played all season with the labrum. He did. You know, and obviously the Jets want uh, assembly to play through this, although I think he has gone for the surgery now. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, it just gives it a little bit more perspective, is my point, in, the, in their own locker room of when a guy did not play for a few weeks and they questioned or kind of were at least curious whether he could have, and then you have guys like this that were trying to get through a game yeah. with, with this kind of injury. Yeah, you know, and it's just it's different kinds of mindsets, right? Like when I tore my labrum, could I probably continued? I don't know. You know, it's hard to say. I knew I was in a lot of pain and I was tired of making tackles and my shoulder popping out of socket, so yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm done. You know, but then when I had my Liz Frank injury, I didn't want to go back on IR because IR is not a fun place to be. Not from a like a financial standpoint, because yeah, you're not making as much money on IR, but you're not part of the team anymore. Regardless of what you think, you're just not part of the team. Like even Nick Foles right now, who's you know has been out for a little bit, I guarantee he kind of feels a disconnect now because he's not in every single meeting. He's doing treatment and things of that nature. So to get to your point, Brett, yeah, with Marcel Darius, man, I mean, with the elbow injury, which you got to assume was probably a serious thing, the fact that if he's got a big brace on it, I'm sure it was bothering him a little bit. And now with this core injury, yeah, I mean, you're you're going to have those old-school type gridiron warriors that aren't really um, – they're, they're not self-aware. They're, you know, preserving their career. They're in it for right now. They want to have everybody's back, and they want to say, like, hey, you know what? I got my team's back. Guys, follow me. Uh, I'll put you guys on my back, and, and let's do this thing. And there's some other guys that make business decisions. I'm not saying one's right, one's wrong. But I'm just saying um, the, the, the guys that do make, you know, that try to get the locker room involved, the guys that do, like Marcel Darius, that literally tore their core, I guess, in half and still finished the game, man, those are the guys I think you want to rally around and the guys you want to get props and for. And there is a respect level that I don't even think any of us can appreciate for guys that do go through those things. Sure. And my point is there are some people that, with Ramsey, probably respect the business decision part of it. Yeah. But there are others that are like, do you know what I've played through in my career? Do you know yeah. what I'm playing through right now? I got no time for your 
Well, your antics. And to be fair, it says a lot about Marcel Darius as a person uh, and as a player as well, because this is a guy who got a new deal, who got restructured, and kind of paid him up front, saying that, you know what, we trust you enough where we're going to pay you up front, and even in the back end, we trust you that you're still going to you know, begin to play at a high level and be a leader of that team. And all things considered, there with his core muscles still playing, uh, I think they made the right decision. This guy is a guy that's made $100 million in his career, too, and still yeah. willing to go through this yeah. to play in a football game and help his team win. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty good stuff Admirable, uh, from Marcel Darts. Hey, Kuz, don't, don't play that music yet. Let's go hit the happy hour horn because there's a big event coming up in Ponte Vedra and Vita de Luis is going to be a part of it coming up this weekend. It's happy hour horn time on a Friday. Drink, get a shot, tip your star tenders, or if you're in high school, then grab a water. Yes, yeah. please do. Uh, Vita Delury recently got a 98 rating. How about that? A locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita Delury tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. Go to VitaDelury.com for more information as well. And I want to tell you about a big event coming up this weekend here in Nocatee. And, well, Vita Delury is going to be a big part of it. That is tomorrow and Sunday here in Nocatee. And Vita de Louis is part of the Oktoberfest 110-foot Ferris wheel. Ooh, 10-plus nice. food trucks. I like that. I like and that Vita well. de Louis available with a bunch of other uh, different uh, beer, wine, uh, liquor. Uh, and it's part of Oktoberfest. If you want to check out everybody that's involved, including Vita de Louis, uh, hit www.noctoberfest.org. That's N O. C-T-O-B-E-R-F-E-S-T. So, Oktoberfest with a little N-O in front of it. And that's coming up tomorrow and Sunday here in the Nakati area, which isn't too far from Panavidra High School. And the doors open at noontime. Hey, we don't shut until 6 o'clock here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. When we get back, we talk more about the NFL. Where are we now? As we enter week number eight of the season, have we figured anything out in the NFL, including with the Jaguars? It's next on ESPN 690. Obviously, we'd be better in the red zone than we were. We were a game to have 300-something yards at halftime and six points or whatever it was. It's never been a part of a game like that before. But um, So we moved the football well, obviously. Uh, but we need to do a better job in the red zone, and, and I need to do a better job of helping our guys get open. Uh, and we need to do a better job of executing and being more detailed and uh, you know, throwing the ball on time and, and all those things. But, again, all that starts with me, and I'll do a better job this week of that. Oh, come on, Flip. It's not your fault. You're doing a good job. It's taking responsibility, Let's tell man. everybody to go make a damn play. That's what a coach does. That's what you do. Uh, you know, here's the deal. We've been around this long enough. Yeah. And dissected uh, NFL teams long enough. Okay. we got a Patriots fan over there. Hmm. Oof! Is it, oh, it's, a, it's a Chris Hogan jersey too, by the way. That little Chris kid was rocking Hogan jersey. I mean, he's just a little kid, so I can't give him that hard. Where's Hogan at? Is, is Hogan Miami? Is he Miami now? He's a NIR though. Sorry, okay. I got distracted. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I've been around this thing a decent amount of time. Where you, you know you have 
like I told you, I think earlier this week or maybe it was last week, that yeah. I think by the time you get to this stage of the season, you have trends that are trends for a reason. You don't normally buck the trends very much, mm-hmm. like the turnovers. They bucked the trend. They weren't turning anybody over, and they did. Now, is that a one-off, or is that a start of something? Mm-hmm. Well, the other trend that they can't buck is the fact that they aren't good on third downs. They're 10% below the league average on third downs, and they're dead last in the red zone. Dead last. Yeah. Like, if the, the Jags are dead last in the red zone and, like, 27th in third down conversion rate, and they're 3-4 and four with their season still right in front of them mm-hmm. and playing a team that they probably should beat. I mean, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. So if they can somehow you flip those, I'm not saying you go to get up to number five, but can you get up to league average in those categories? Well, then what does this football team do from here on out? One, I don't know if that changes that drastically in the NFL. I don't know if that happens. Sometimes there's something that changes it. And by the way, that something in the last seven games of the year could be Nick Foles coming back. And he might just be better in the red zone and on third downs because of his experience. Mm-hmm. So that could be the one thing. The other side of that is, what the heck is the answer? Like, Nick, uh, uh, not Nick Foles, DeFilippo's going to get up there. Minshew's going to get up there. Marone's going to get up there. We're going to ask Leonard Fournette. We're going to ask Keelan Cole. We're going to ask D.D. Westbrook. We're going to ask D.J. Chark. We're going to ask all these guys. Okay, I, we know what you've got to do. How do you fix it? Well, yeah. if we knew the answer, we would do it. I get it. I understand. There's not an answer to it. Yeah. But how do you change it? How do you fix it? Do you just keep practicing it? Is that is it as simple as that? Do you make better calls? Do you use yeah. different formations? Do you change your philosophy? How do you do so, it? So I think it's got to be a little bit of changing the philosophy and changing the calls a little bit. Because anytime you get in the red zone, Brent, the field gets shortened a little bit. And all of a sudden, you can't get the same looks as you did if you started on your own 25-yard line. You just can't. And, like, even when I played, you know, on defensive lines, like, even when it was, you know, they're in the red zone and it's maybe they're on the 20-yard line, they're 15-yard line, like, we always felt confident that we'd hold them to three because I feel like the defense, they do have the advantage then in the red zone because everything's shortened. So, from that perspective, I think maybe, you know, when you're in the red zone, Brent, you can't rely on DJ Chark doing a goal route or, like, or, you know, like, uh, D.D. Westbrook going, like, a big corner route. I mean, those plays are obsolete now. You know, you have to go in the well a little bit, and you got to find different kind of plays. Um, and whether that's, you know, using more, uh, you know, the cannon fighter in the back like the Panthers do, where you kind of confuse the defensive line a little bit with a bunch of motions and things like that, whatever it is. But I think if you're John Filippo, listen, I understand he's he's falling the grenade a little bit with his team, saying he has to do better, he has to do better. And I think John Filippo has done a great job so far um, as offensive coordinator. But at the same time, I think maybe you do got to switch it up a little bit and saying, you know what, what we're doing right now, I think we're calling great plays, but for whatever reason, the red zone, uh, they're not working. So let's change up the formations. Let's change up our philosophy a little bit, and uh, let's try something new. Here's the deal. You know, what you just said is interesting to me, but as soon as you said, like, hey, we can't do the go-routes to Chris Conley or a DJ Chark or yeah. somebody like that. We can't open up. I get the field shrinks in the red zone. Understood. I get the field even shrinks to a degree on third and two and third and three. Right? You're just trying to get to the sticks. Yeah. And everybody, and, and when it's third and eight, third and nine, third and ten, you can just play the sticks. Mm-hmm. Understood. But when you say that stuff about, like, the go route and opening up the field more, I think, like, Kansas City's offense. Sure. So, like, that would impact someone like Kansas City, and I have no yeah. idea what they are in, like, the red zone. Maybe they're yeah. not as good, or maybe they are good. I don't know. I but feel if, like they're I, still pretty good. I think they're yeah, good everywhere on but, offense. But that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Don't you feel like they're still pretty good? Yeah. So, they utilize all that go stuff. and like no, the they throw do. All the, You're absolutely but right. But yet, they, in the red zone, are still able to get it done. Yeah. So, you've got to be able to, obviously, adapt and do both. Mm-hmm. 
and and I don't know the answer. Like I really like on the third and short stuff. See, people are starting to get a little bothered by, and, and I think they're being dramatic about it. But the fourth and one where Fournette doesn't get in, or sure. fourth and third and one he's not been good, or fourth and one I don't even know their conversion rate on those. But but people seem at least to be like, what the heck? We can't get a third and one with Leonard Fournette, fourth and one with Leonard Fournette, and. That's where I've said, going back to last week, I actually think they run better out of the spread in those situations yeah. than kind of built, putting everything in and saying, we're going to beat you mano y mano. Yeah. And so do you make those kind of changes, even in the red zone, where you're in a tight area and things aren't working so well, just even to stick with stuff that you might run at the 40-yard line or your own 35-yard sure. line and just see if that works instead? Well, you know, and we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm going by more of last year because I haven't really watched them, you know, 100% this year, but when the Kansas City Chiefs get in the red zone, you know, they, they find ways of getting their playmakers the ball in exotic kind of looks, whether it's, you know, maybe getting Tyreek Hill on an end round whether it's getting Travis Kelsey the ball. Like, it always helps having a good tight end, Brent, or that red zone threat. For instance, you have guys like Kyle Rudolph. You have guys like Tyler Eifert. They're not going to get 10 catches a game and burn defenses, but when they get in the red zone, those are your go-to dependable targets. Let me ask you this question right now. Who's the Jaguars' red zone go-to you know, target that, that you, you want to attack? I would it, say DJ Shark because he has five touchdowns. Yeah, I think correct. it might be better off being a Chris Conley guy who can be yeah. physical with his body, but DJ Shark can go up and make a play. Petey's not going to most likely do that, Sure, I don't think. I mean, yeah. he can, but I'm saying I don't picture him doing that as mm-hmm. much. You know what? You might have just hit the nail on the head. Maybe this is really obvious, and obviously yeah. the players and, and, and coaches won't say this and admit to it yeah. because it sounds too much like an excuse. But they don't have a tight end target. And that is where you use the tight end. I mean, any time we've ever mentioned tight ends, you think red zone. Of course. Right? Josh yeah. Oliver, will he help you? In the red zone, potentially. Yes. Yeah. So maybe you did just solve it, and they are so... They're just not good right there well, right now, and they haven't been good at the tight end spot in 2019 enough to be able to utilize that. And also, to be fair, though, Brent, yeah, having a tight end, it's super beneficial, right? Because it's a size mismatch. Because either you're going to put a safety on the tight end, you're going to put a linebacker, but he's going to have the size mismatch, usually. But also, you have teams like with that one receiver. You can you can throw that fade around all day. And the Jaguars, you know, they, they have a, a talented wide receiving core, but they don't really have that big-bodied guy. I think DJ Chart could be that guy, but they don't have the you know the prototypical one receiver that's going to kind of moss people. So if you don't have that either, like I said, then you got to find interesting ways to get guys the ball, whether it's the crossing routes and things of that nature. Now, don't forget too, even if you're the Kansas City Chiefs or any kind of offense, once you get down to the one yard line or the two yard line. That's when you pound the rock. You know, every team's going to do that, and that's where the offensive line's got to come up big and help them back in the end zone. It'll be interesting to see what they can fix. You can try some other things, and I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah. But I, I believe, and I don't know if I'm accurate here, I believe if you get better on third down, mm-hmm. especially as you get closer to the end zone, that you'll be better in the red zone. Now, I don't know if that's a hand-in-hand correlation. I really don't. I, I might just be reaching at things. But I feel like... There's an opportunity. Here's an example. If you are third and three at the 12-yard line, sure. which the Jaguars have been because Lambeau's been kicking field goals like 29, 31 yards, 32 yards. They're short field goals. They are. So if you're third and three and you pick up that first down, right? Yep. Well, now you're, you counts against your red zone. Mm-hmm. Right, because you were inside the twenty. If you don't pick that up, it's an empty trip in the red zone sure. from a touchdown perspective. You pick up that third down. Oh, now you got first down from the eight yard line. Yeah, and now you got three more downs and maybe even a fourth to get it in there. Yeah. So my point is, I think the 
percentages will correlate. Not necessarily equal, but I think they'll correlate a little bit if the Jaguars can just figure out third down a little bit more. And some of those tight packages, like we just mentioned, those tight third and threes, third and fours, also work down near the goal line. So if they can find something that's effective, well, then I think they'll also be able to score more touchdowns. Well, and here's them keep in mind, too, as well. Assuming Nick Foles comes back and maybe takes back that starting role, you have to ask yourself, what is that doing for your red zone offense? Because a, a lot of the things that defenses have to plan around is the mobile quarterback. Why, why do you think Kansas City is so good in the red zone? Because they have Patrick yeah. Mahomes who can run the ball and keep the play alive. Gardner Minshew, for some uh, for some plays, has kept the ball alive. And probably, I think his probably his the play that defines Gardner Minshew the most so far in his career is the play where he kept the ball alive in Denver. I think he, I forgot who he even hit. Was it Armstead? I think in the end zone. Oh, yes. Yeah, we yes. hit Armstead in the right. end for a that touchdown. Was, I mean, that was his defining the, play. That was a defining play right there, and that's what you need from a red zone quarterback, a guy that can keep the play uh, going a little longer because uh, even though the field's compressed and even though the defense has the advantage, if the play lasts longer than five or six seconds, you can only cover someone for so long. It's interesting. I think if you were to tell me, say, hey, do you think the Jaguars will get better on third down and on uh, red zone, the yeah. money downs, yep. when Nick Foles comes back, if he does come back, I would say yes. I okay. feel like I would say yes because yeah. I think here's what happens. I think pre-snap, I think guys with all that experience, this is the beauty of Tom Brady that nobody talks about. Sure. Is pre-snap, he already knows he's eliminated half of his options. Yeah. That's the beauty of Tom Brady. That's what I've been told. This isn't me talking. I mean, I've been told by people that's where his that's where he is ahead of everybody. Yeah. He looks at your defense and he already knows. He's like, hey, half of my four options are gone. I'm going either here or there. Allows me to make quicker decisions. Okay. Well. I think Nick Foles will have more of an opportunity to do that because he's seen everything. You know, he's no, not you're... thinking four options. And I think he might, in those money downs, be a little bit more crisp, a little bit more right. Now, here's the here's the contradictory stat I'll give you, and that is Minshew has been really good in the red zone if you look at his numbers. Sure. Now, the Jags have not. But Minshew, I think, has all touchdowns, no interceptions, and like a quarterback rating of over 100 yeah. when he's in the red zone. Yeah. Kind of like well, Bortles did in 2017 when he had a great year in the red zone, something like 12 touchdowns and no picks. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fascinating. I don't know if I believe my own theory, but I, I would say if you tell me, do you think their numbers would go up on those muddy downs with Foles? I believe yes, even though the mobility isn't there. One thing I wanted to keep in mind, though, and, and I think you'd agree with me when I say Gardner Minshew is probably more of a mobile quarterback than Nick Foles is. Would you come with me on that, or do you think Nick Foles is more mobile? No, I, mean, I, I would. You, you think Gardner, I mean, for a little bit. I think Gardner Minshew is more mobile. Yeah, absolutely. okay. Absolutely. So we got to keep Foles that. Foles can move now. That doesn't Foles mean he's move. immobile. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not Dan Marino. No, for sure. But, I mean, I've seen Gardner Minshew a couple times, you know, run for gains of 20-something yards. And if you're a defensive line, Brent, and you're scouting uh, an NFL offense, getting ready to play, you got to keep in mind, if you're in the red zone, if they're on the 20-yard line, the 15-yard line, uh, you know, the defensive line, we, we kind of have a call. Oh, I said we. We used to, I mean, there's the call still there. I'm not playing anymore. But we used to always go over this. Whether we're playing like a mobile quarterback like Mike Vick or Aaron Rodgers, guys that can beat you with your feet, it changes up your entire pass rushing game in the red zone. As opposed to doing moves, now it's all bull rushing. It's all about put it, pushing the offensive lineman back into the quarterback as opposed to opening up the rush lanes because if the rush lanes open up the quarterback sees that, 
obviously he can step up the pocket and run for a touchdown. So it kind of changes the whole dynamics of pass rushing if you have a mobile quarterback, as opposed to Nick Foles, where I feel like you can pass rush a little more, you can still run those games in the red zone, get to the quarterback because you're not worried about Nick Foles beating you with his legs. All right, a couple more minutes on the Jags and the rest of the NFL right here. we got Stay in Your Lane, and we'll finish up a week here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 before our game of the week, and we'll move up to the press box for Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 in the Friday Night Blitz. Pontevedra St. Augustine for a district championship in 6A. Can't wait for this one. A beautiful night here in St. John's County. And as you can tell, the crowd, the band, everybody's starting to make their way onto the football field here at Pontevedra High School. Uh, do you agree with me, or do you have a better feel of who the Jags are? See, I don't. I, I really, I think they're a, when I told you this last week, when they were 2-4, and four, I said, I think they're a pretty good 2-4 and four team. Yeah. I don't feel like the Jags are bad. 2-4 and four means, eh, we're not very good. I don't think I don't feel that way about the Jags. Like the Broncos at two and four, they felt kind of not so good. Yeah, they yeah. had a good couple of weeks. They got it done, but they still felt not so good. The Jags didn't feel that way to me. Now at three and four, I can tell you they're closer to probably where they want to be. Right, trying sure. to get back to five hundred, but I'm still not convinced. Like they're good. Like I, I I went from pretty good to saying, all right, I think they've got a chance to be pretty good, but I'm not convinced of it. Yeah. I, I think this season is kind of still teetering for me. I, I don't know where this thing is going, and I usually have a better feel of it by now, sure. even from a Sunshine and Rainbows point of view, and, and I'm usually that guy. Like, I think uh, we did it yesterday. We did it yesterday, man. Like, they don't have a ton of personnel weaknesses. Linebacker's hurting right now. Tight end maybe is hurting them in the red zone to that point. So I like their schedule. I kind of like their personnel. But I still don't have a feel of where this thing's going. Well, it's hard to realize that, Brent, because we've seen their defense play good games. We've seen their defense play bad games. Now, I think uh, along the line of where's their defense at right now, I think people would agree with me when they say, I think we got a pretty good defense. You know, I think the Jaguars' defense um, is decent. Now, are they a top-five defense yet? No, because they haven't shown us that yet, but i definitely put them top ten. Along and those points, let me, let me help you with that. Yeah. They gave up 40 to the Chiefs. Sure. That was bad. Yeah. They gave up 13 to a Texans team that's putting up like 27 a game. That's good. They gave up 7 to the Titans, who really aren't that great on offense. They gave up 24, and, and the, the last touchdown was not good, but the second half overall was pretty good uh, But the, to the Broncos. Yeah. The Panthers was a mess. Yep. And then the Saints, 13, who scored 36 on Chicago. The Bears. And the Bengals, 17, and one was a garbage touchdown late. Yeah. So my point is, yeah, Chiefs are the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And Carolina was a bad game. And outside of that, this defense has played pretty good if you look at it from a statistical standpoint. Absolutely, yeah. So I think if you take that into account, um, yeah, you know, injuries happen. Guess what? Injuries happen in every single NFL team. And I think all things considered, and we'll see, I mean, the biggest question is the quarterback going forward, but you have to like where the Jaguars are at now. Here's the big problem. The AFC South Division. You have the Colts. You have the Texans. And I get it. You're not buying on the Titans right now, but I'm just saying... And I'm not trying to sound like a homer for the Tennessee Titans, but they do look, look like a different team with Ryan Tannehill under center right now as opposed to Mariota. That's a one-game bump. Okay, that was a one-game bump. Just call it what you want, but right now they're tied with the Jaguars. I mean, he's right? better than Mariota. He yes. is. I'm just but saying. But they still are. Whatever. Well, Brent, they're, they're, they're three and four as well. They're right with the Jaguars. Go get so, your Nashville chicken and say, hey, say what it. you want right now. They're tied with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Make All sure I'm you saying, put some mayonnaise on that <laughs> Nashville chicken. All I'm saying is I'm trying to prove my point that the AFC South division is deep and it is competitive. So Is it yeah. the hardest division in football in the AFC? I mean, outside of the uh, the NFC North, is it the hardest division in football? Uh, yes, or is now, the AFC yeah. West, NFC West, too? 
Yeah, the NFC West has to be up there. The Niners, Seahawks, Rams, and Cardinals. And Cardinals yeah. have three wins and a tie. Yeah, it's, that's pretty competitive right now. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's up there, though, right? It's, it's, it's definitely the, the best one, I think, in the AFC. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so you're right. All right, who else uh, around the league? Let's go NFC real quick. Okay. Uh, Cowboys, Eagles, uh, Giants, and Redskins aren't going to be that thing. Do you like well, Cowboys or Eagles? So here's the thing. You know, the Eagle, like the Cowboys had a chance to capitalize on the Eagles because the Eagles are decimated by injury right now. The Eagles being 3-4, and four, and I get it. If you told me the Eagles are 3-4 and four to like, start the season out, I mean, that's horrible. But all things considered, I think they're in a pretty good position right now. I think the Cowboys, people are starting to figure out Kellen Moore's offense a little bit. You know, they're really starting to stall. And I get it. You have Ezekiel Elliott, who's one of the best backs in the game. But for whatever reason, uh, they're having some problems. Now, they always have their defensive line to fall back on. They just signed Michael Bennett, to, Michael to, Bennett. which is a huge upgrade for them. Uh, their linebackers are solid. Secondary is good. So their defense will always keep them in it. But Phillies, I think, is going to be the wild card team, man. Like We don't know what they're capable of. Wait till all the guys come back healthy. So I think the Eagles are in a good spot right now. Yeah, I like the Cowboys were my Super Bowl team. They and were. They're with trenches, and on top of that, having Dak, Ezekiel, and Cooper. That's a nice combination to have. And the Eagles will get better as the year goes along, because they always do under Doug Peterson. Yeah. But they don't have Nick Foles to rescue them this time. Uh, Packers and Vikings. Are they just two of the dominant teams in the league now? Yeah, you know, I had the Vikings win the division. I had the Packers, I think, getting the wild card when we did our uh, predictions. Um, yeah, you know, and, and it's crazy because Green Bay now, their offense starting to finally come around a little bit. Matt LaFleur, first-year coach there, offensive-minded coach. It took them a while to get going, and they actually depended more on their defense than anything, which was a surprise to a lot of Packers fans out there because no one predicted their defense was going to be good. Now Aaron Rodgers is starting to find his rhythm a little bit. And the Vikings, I mean... Listen, we know about the Vikings. They have, they have a solid offense. It's all going to depend on Kirk Cousins. Can Kirk Cousins get him over the hump? Right now, I saw some numbers today on Cousins, by the way. At this point of the season, he has just as good, if not better, numbers than Patrick Mahomes had a year ago wow. when Mahomes won the MVP. Yeah. Interesting. And, and listen, and, and I could be here and say the Chicago Bears as well, because, I mean, they got a solid defense, obviously exposed a little bit their last game uh, against, who, who are you talking about? The Bears. The Saints. The Saints, thank you. But uh, Mitch Trubisky. I'm, I'm not buying hard into to ride it. Him. I'm not buying into it. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a, it, a playoff. Contender. It's hard to ride him because you have Dak playing pretty well. Wentz, people think can play well. The Packers sure. have Rodgers and Cousins is playing well yeah. for Minnesota. The Saints getting Breeze back, and Bridgewater's already been playing well. Yeah. And then in the West, you got the Seahawks with Russell Wilson might be the MVP so far, sure. and the Niners do have Garoppolo, and they have this great defense. Well, the, the NFC is loaded, is the bottom line. They are loaded, and then obviously I, I have the Saints winning it when we, we did the, our predictions and everything, and I'm still sticking by that. I think it's a testament to how good the Saints really are when their star all-pro quarterback goes down with an injury, a backup comes in and Teddy Bridgewater, and they don't really miss a beat. It's really the Patriots at 7-0, and yep. and then what else is going to happen? Who's for real? Are the Bills for real? Are the Ravens for real? Will the Browns rebound? The Colts, are they for real? Are the Texans, can they make a run? The Chiefs, when can they get healthy? Yeah. And are they for real? There's a lot of question marks in the AFC outside of the Patriots. Absolutely. I, I was I was like the Chiefs. Once Patrick Mahomes come back, you can't count that guy out assuming he's healthy. And also the Baltimore Ravens, man. I'm I, I'm a firm believer, in, and you may not come with me on this one, but I think I think Jackson, Lamar Jackson is going to be the real deal. He already is, but in the next couple years, maybe an MVP candidate. Stay in your lane. Coming up next to wrap up a week on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Thanks. Hey, Hold on, he's got a little note he wrote. He wants to read it. Dear Coach Richard, you have been the greatest coach in my life. I love you, Richard. I want you to show me your game. You help me love football again. Thank you for being my favorite coach, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that was so sweet. 
That is awesome. That's awesome. And Koo shared that with us. I think that's on Barstool Sports right now. Yeah. You know, I, Twitter makes me laugh. Yeah. It doesn't really make me cry that often, but it makes me laugh like three times a day. Sure. It, it, as bad as Twitter can be, it's so fun, and it's so good for stories like this, too. It's yeah. just a little kid, and he's giving his coach like the end of the year. Yeah. Like Pop he, Warner gift. He's giving him a little gift. And he reads that, and he cries. Really I mean, it's... Yeti glass or whatever. <laughs> it's... Better been a Yeti glass or else yeah, it's yeah. a generic one for 10 bucks. in which case I'd be like, stop crying, kid. Give me something better, but no, it was. It's a great story, Isn't man. That cool? Well, it, it just goes to show you the, the, the effect that a, a good coach can have on a, on a young mind. I say so. this all the time about because I know it. I mean, we did it. Like you think yeah. back, if you think back to your little league days, right, sure. or pop Warner days, or, or maybe it's AAU basketball. But I'm telling you, before high school, yep. if you go back to like your eight years old, ten years, whatever year you remember before, like high school and college and all that. I mean, I remember my coach, some of my coaches, some of those yeah. coaches that were very influential. I mean, you, you almost want to be able to thank them still. And I say it, I know with my kids. Mm-hmm. I know Ty's coach. I know some of Kaylee's coaches. I know they will, they will have that impact on them, but they don't know it yet. You know what I mean? Of course. They don't realize it, but of they course. will have the impact for decades and decades to come and uh, kind of almost shape the life just as much as parents can. I mean, the coaches do. And for some kids... They're not fortunate to have the parents there to shape the lives. So the coaches almost have to do that at that age, even though they're not getting paid anything, any right, of that uh, kind of stuff. So yeah. uh, it is uh, – I don't want to make everybody cry here. I'm no, for night, sure, but, for sure. But it definitely is. It's impactful, man. It it's impactful. an important thing uh, that people do, and, and even at this level, the high school coaches and how they shape uh, these young men and try to. You know, I think a lot of coaches get into it for that. Yep. Sometimes we lose our way. It becomes about wins and losses and all that other stuff. But I think the heart is in it to kind of help shape young men, Shaping young women, and all, all that stuff. Always preaching, having fun. That's why I stuck with football the way I did, because I always had fun doing it, and the coaches made sure I had fun. All right. So. I have no idea how you have fun in a cage now, but I, that, can't, oh, that's that fun, just doesn't dude. sound fun. Love but uh, <laughs> before we get out of here, stay in your lane. Let's go. Yeah. What you got? It's a little Jets twist to this one, I stay think. Stay in your lane, Coos. Give it to me. All right, so this is a special treat. Brent, when you were gone in July, uh, we, we needed segments to do. And one of the segments that we did was we came up with movie trailers, summer blockbuster trailers that would preview NFL teams. And one of the teams that I previewed was the New York Jets. So with, with that being said, with that being said, I ended up uh, making a mock New York Jets trailer back in July before the football season even started. And I figured since the Jaguars are playing the Jets this Sunday, we would revisit that trailer and see how accurate I was so far. So here's the trailer. The, the, the song also holds a meaning here to what I'm about to drop. So coming soon to a theater near you, 50 years in the NFL, only one Super Bowl to show for it. In the city of big dreams, this team has problems getting off the ground. Now with a new pilot who couldn't fly in Miami by the name of Adam Gase. When teams choose to go by air, the Jets chose to go by land, signing Le'Veon Bell, who Gase already voiced displeasure for before the Jets even got off the ground, but whatever. (coughs) The air, on the other hand, consists of a second-year quarterback not named Baker Mayfield and a receiving core that would make any fantasy football player retire from the game. This isn't some movie where the plane goes down and crashes on an island where the survivors all work together and learn something about each other only to have it all end up super confusing but you feel like it ends in a good place but you're not quite sure but the message board said it was a good ending so you believe it like that TV show Lost. 
No, this is the real world and the National Football League. So you better buckle up. The Jets are about to experience some turbulence. That's the movie's name. Turbulence. <laughs> it's called Turbulence. Turbulence. You can make it. You and can make it through it. No, dude, no, absolutely That was excellent. Not. Yeah, thank you, man. And yeah. you were right on the money. I was on the money, yeah. Unfortunately, my Cleveland Browns one wasn't so much on the money. Maybe maybe one day we'll play the Cleveland Browns one. That was but, awesome. Uh, yeah, man, so there you go. So there's your Jets Great trailer, stuff. summer blockbuster, Pump man. your brakes Pump up Pump your brakes. Poor Clay Thompson, man, out for the season, has to have the surgery, forced to sit on the sidelines and watch his Warriors teammates. Well, he made the big mistake of joining the NBA Live, uh, you know, the, the halftime team with Shaquille O'Neal. Charles Barkley, and uh, let's see what Charles Barkley had to say about Clay Thompson and the Warriors' chances of going to the playoffs this year. Rush back to try and win a go to a six straight finals if I'm not 100% because our window to win another championship I think is open for the next five six years. Go ahead, Charles. Well, number one, I hope you get back soon, but you're just wrong. Um, <laughs> what is he wrong about? I said they were going to be the seven eight seed. They're not going to make the playoffs uh, because they just can't, they just can't score enough. Poor Clay Thompson sitting there like his keys just got taken away from his family. Like a 16-year-old kid who just had the keys taken away from the Porsche, man. Clay Thompson just sitting there taking it. Charles Barkley giving it to you him. you got to love Charles, man. Charles like it is, man. Like it is. Hey, uh, we yesterday, and you can go back and watch on YouTube on our Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 channel. You dissected Yannick Ngakwe last week. You had yeah, some yeah. questions about it, too. And uh, Sam said, hey, I thought I read somewhere the Jags offered him an extension. He turned it down. Do you think we get something done during the season? Do we have the ability to take on that money? The answer to that is, yes, they have the ability to take on the money. Probably not in the season. I would say in the off season. Yeah. And, yes, there was an offer of some kind, although I don't know if I would believe everything you read at what it was exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another uh, good point by Adam Kaplan, actually, keep in mind, he's dealing with an injury at the start of the season, too, as well. He had that hamstring injury. And Missed listen, the game. And anytime you deal with the hamstring injury on the defensive line, it's going to hamper you a little bit. He played through it. He seems to be getting better, and I think he's only progressing from now. Interesting. A lot of Raiders fans jumped on this yeah, conversation of, because yeah. they want Yannick Ngakwe out there as a pass rusher. So. Yeah, a lot of Raiders fans jumped on me. Uh, I'm going to name out one real quick. Don't mean to put you on the spot, sir. Uh, I can't even read your name. The evil one or something said that he isn't worthy of Pauly G's nosebleed system. He would rather reach for a number four run-stopping defensive end. Well, uh, we, we just broke. Obviously, you didn't watch the video because he's a good run-stopper. Yeah, absolutely. We, we broke that down. Hey, Action Sports Jacks, Game of the Week on ESPN 690. Coming up 7 o'clock, 645 for the Mr. Chubby's Wings pregame show. Have a good weekend, everybody. For Coos and Austin Lane, I'm Brent Martineau. Thanks for having us out here at Ponte Vedra High School. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.